Is that still is still a little? Oh, sorry. Welcome to Republican Professor. This morning, we have with us Brad Cummings. Hey, welcome, Brad. Thanks, guys. And we have Curtis joining us from Texas, and I'm in frozen California along with Brad. Brad, right. you're in California, right? I am. I'm in Central California right now. Central. Yeah. Hey, hey. L- l- little more red town. Nice. Oh. <laughs> well, um, if, I guess if you wanted to say the town, you could, but you know, everybody knows where Not- I am. We're gonna we're gonna hide out here. There you go. Good. <laughs> Uh, I'm at, I'm actually in Southern California. Night background is a lie, but I'm a big fan of uh, Central California as well. Well, I thought I would start off with a, an anecdote um, of how I met Brad. I met Brad at Calvary Chapel, Thousand Oaks, but that's not the name of it. It's called God Speak Calvary Chapel. He does Newberry Park. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Newberry Park, right? So it's yeah. Rob McCoy's deal. Yep. Rob McCoy. Um, he's uh, he's great. And uh, I saw Brad in the. Why was I there? Well, my grandpa goes there and I might have been there for that. Just hanging out with him. But I think I was there for Rick Green or something. Yeah. He was and doing then, a Academy thing, a biblical citizenship thing. Okay. That might have been it. And Kyle Newton was out there, and you know Kyle. Yes, and um, I know Kyle's kids from a Lance Wallnow event that we did. Yep. And I went to Dallas to meet him this afternoon. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, Solomon said hi. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I will get back to him. <laughs> He said he's going to be on the podcast, so that's good. But I, I just haven't responded to his text yet because I didn't know where to put him. Actually, I don't know, really know who to talk to as far as his scheduling goes. But anyway, we'll figure that out. But um, yeah, so Brad had this book. He was peddling his wares in, the, in Calvary Chapel, the Founder's Bible. Yeah, very good. Shiloh Road. Press. A cool Tolkien sort of disappearing act going on there. <laughs> there you go. The Founder's Bible. Very good. Yes. And this thing is heavy, but where else can you open up and you've got a nice, I'm trying to get the perfect. There you go. Nice. It's got the biblical text, but interspersed are various articles and anecdotes and quotations and stories true stories true stories right true stories of not not the revised narratives yeah of how the bible has influenced american history yep and there's a lot of there you go a really cool stuff in there um lot uh, you're so in other words if you're um interested in the bible and you're interested in american history and how those two have gone together this is a great resource 
And I mean, I have a PhD in this stuff and I, I mean, a master's degree in Bible, not, not very many people with a PhD in um, American politics and public law have a master's degree in biblical studies. That's just not oh. typically how it goes. It, it so, used to be typical though. Yeah, that's What's right. Crazy is that's it right. used to be very typical, but, yeah. but not, not anymore today. Yeah, I thought I would share a, a quick anecdote, if you don't mind, Brad, because I we want to get to Brad and who all things Brad. Okay. But I was at uh, Claremont taking a class on religion and politics in America. It's perfect thing to tell you tell about because we're talking about the founder's bible um and i there was a columbia university professor teaching it from new york um his name was richard bushman you could look him up he was the governor professor governor morris professor of history of at columbia university in new york and uh we came to the topic of slavery, which, well, how could you miss that, right, in American history? We were reading Lincoln, uh, reading um, other sources on slavery in the, in the Bible, and uh, we had a very, I thought, shallow discussion of it. Mm. And I could tell, and the other students in the class, it was a PhD class, were in the religion department so there is an interesting class because it had politics people in there and religion people government and religion different phd tracks different focuses foci and i i had biblical studies training and i was in the phd program in um in american politics and public law and i i just could not believe how shallow discussion was and hmm. they the the conclusion was of the class session i didn't say anything at that time but the conclusion they were saying was that the bible was pro-slavery wow so anyway i i just i I'm then little... i had i had to say something so <laughs> i you. i just I, I basically gave a sermon um <laughs> Uh, we, I started by looking at, uh, Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural address, which where he interprets the civil war entirely in biblical terms, yeah. entirely in biblical terms. And he quotes the Bible. He quotes the old Testament. He quotes the new Testament. He's using the King James. And I grew up in a King James church and I immediately recognized those quotations. I might not have been able to tell you exactly where they were, but I knew he's quoting the Bible there and he's just yep. assuming everybody knows. He didn't say, oh, Matthew 18 says this. We didn't need to. Didn't need to. And uh, that's what people were missing in the classes. I had a bunch of biblically illiterate PhD students getting their PhDs in Bible, wow. uh, you know, and, you know, I just like, if you, if you look up those quotations, you know, which is very easy to do now with technology and you read it, you can, and you look at the context, like for example, in Matthew 18, when he quotes Matthew 18, it's pretty clear that he thinks slavery is in, 
a sla- the kind of sin that deserves the death penalty. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to say nothing of like Philemon, you know, talking about Philemon and all sorts of other stuff in the, in the Bible, um, we, we don't have to get to, but it just, uh, that background is when I met you at Calvary Chapel and I saw your project, I, I thought, oh, I have to have this book. I immediately bought it. So I wrote you out a check. And, um, and at the time, I don't think I even knew that you were Brad Cummings, the, the guy that I, that Kyle had talked about and the guy that Rick Green had talked about. And of course we all had lunch together later, but, but uh, then I was like, oh, this is even cooler. (laughs) You're, (laughs) you're the guy that they were talking about. So that's awesome. So anyway, that's how I met Brad. That was a pretty, I, I remember that lunch. We had a pretty marvelous time. We laughed a lot. I couldn't believe that uh, I was talking to a college professor that yeah. had the kind of wonderful views that you did that I could really resonate with. And I, I think, Lucas, I have, I have loved how, what a precise thinker you are and how mm-hmm. you're driven by a lot of, I think, compelling questions and you're not afraid to kind of poke the bear and challenge your students. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was I was jazzed to hear that at least there are students out there that could have a professor like you that I imagine within the engagement, they will come away um, actually educated, not just indoctrinated or opinionated, but but someone that challenges them to think. So um, yeah, that was that was a marvelous time. And I think both both my wife and I are like, ooh, we like this guy. So Easy yeah. promo for, for you, man. I, I, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're doing this. Oh, thanks. It's been a long time coming. Um, I, I remember a, a really sweet Zoom call. It's kind of, this is kind of embarrassing for me to say, but I mean, look, we're all like, I, I can say this to you, Brad, because I know that you are, one of the most gracious people I've ever met, you know, but, but I remember this, there was a zoom call that you and Kyle and Rick did Rick green that I was supposed to be a part of. And I didn't even know what zoom was. And I was so technologically traumatized from all my different campuses and, and dealing with what I was dealing with on campus. But anyway, uh, Kyle saved that recording and sent it to me. It took me about a month before I was able to open it and look at it. And it was just the sweetest thing. You guys uh, building me up. And this was a few years ago. And I was thinking last night, as I was looking forward to today, I was like, I don't even have a copy of that Zoom Zoom recording. (laughs) I didn't even save it. Uh, I didn't know how to save it, I guess. But um, anyway, I just... uh, And here you are, you're now hosting a Zoom. I know. Anyway, how, how, how crazy that was. Anyway, uh, Brad, you are a former pastor. Yep. You're uh, basically an editor, publisher, um, a spiritual man, a producer. You've been a producer on a yep. film. Uh, wow. You have such a varied background. Tell us, how did you, 
what how did brad cummings begin what how did you grow up where did you grow up i'll, I'll tell you a really cool story that will um as opposed to giving you the entire arc okay. i uh i met jesus when i was six years old because someone was using the felt board and uh, at the bottom of our street and just telling stories. And I don't know, I don't remember how a little six-year-old, uh, how we got there, but we had a, just a little gaggle of us. And she was telling some pretty neat stories. She really captured our attention. And at the end of it, she made a, she just tossed out, there's anyone else, there's anyone out there want to have Jesus as their friend. And as crazy as this was, all of a sudden at that moment, I saw Mr. Felt standing behind the board. You know, the, the Jesus character was actually standing behind the board and he winked at me. And I kind of went, oh, I looked around the room and nobody else was seeing him. And I, I guess when you're six years old, you're kind of confident in self. And so it's like that didn't deter me from the reality of what I was experiencing. So I just raised my hand. I have no idea what little prayer she led us through, but it was an introduction to a person. And. At the end of it, I went up to her and I kind of said, can you, can you see him? And she said, what do you see? And I said, well, I see him. And I pointed at the Jesus character, little felt character. I said, I see, I see him standing behind the board. And she had the presence of mind to take a little six-year-old just kind of at his word and kind of said, well, I think the Holy Spirit's revealing himself to you. And that began what I understand is the simplicity of friendship. And I had, to, I had to end up growing up and go off to seminary to understand what all the labels on the, the zoo of the church are about. And I still don't quite get it because it's like, aren't we all followers of Jesus? And um, to, to me, I have, I have been behind the curtain, so to speak. I have seen Oz and uh, the old man and his little smoke machine. And I, I have kind of like... You know what, guys? I'm a little interested in something that's a little more real than, than just the, the business of religion. I, I didn't, uh, I, I got myself, you know, heretics alert. I got myself bounced out of the institution because I kind of challenged a lot of just questions of what in the world are we doing? I, my, my major sins are uh, I preach sort of a leaderless Christianity where I kind of said, you know what? We should all practice the the, the, the Reformation, the priesthood of all believers. So uh, before they, they kicked me out, I, I resigned my position at the church. And I kind of said, I'm just going to be amongst you. You know, I, everything else that I've given you, you should, be you should be able to have a relationship with the living God on your own. And I don't think it's my job to be the go-between. I, I, I don't want to be a surrogate savior. We were, we were dearly loved. but um, And this is not at the... No, it's not, it's not at the county chapel. I'm a refugee there. <laughs> um, it, it, we, we, had, we had helped plant a church in Malibu, and we saw a move of God of about like 3,000 people get saved in a short span of time. It, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. But then I had to kind of blow the whistle on some embezzlement, which I thought, you know, the white hat guys are not supposed to do. And as you can imagine the people to whom the whistle was blowing didn't take kindly to my blowing it. So um, they, they drove me over with a bus and I, I've got a wonderful book title that I've reserved wisdom from under the bus. So that'll explain an awful lot of, of, of my life. Uh, I think that the thing that I really love is that despite seeing behind the curtain, 
I have never lost my fascination for Jesus. Mm. And he has graciously allowed me to not get all bitter and cynical. It's like, wow. you know what? I, I, as human beings, we're capable of all kinds of crap. But wow. um, the, the beautiful thing about God is there's not a single aspect of that that he can't step into and meet us and transform us if we'll let him. And so, you know, while I don't really want to go through some of those things again, I am, I am immensely thankful for the journey. And so, you know, I think the, the reason I started at age six with meeting a person is because, gosh, if there was one thing I wanted people to take away is that God is a knowable person. Mm -hmm. Almighty God, I'm not God. I'm not going to diminish him in the least, but my gosh, he has, he has done something extraordinary. Each one of us, if we receive him, get to have that guy on the inside of us. And I think he did that on purpose so that you couldn't lose him. Hmm. I, I, I could be wrong, but that, that's my deep theological thought for the day is that he decided to take a residence on the inside. So if I let him in, I can't lose him. And hmm. he, he, he's always there. And I sort of feel like, I mean, if you look at the world today, it's a mess. And there's an awful lot of things that are going on that would kind of scare people. But I kind of feel like, Jesus spoke about this time. He said, in this life, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And, and that word trouble um, is, is a PR phrase in the, in the translations because it, it really should say bone crushing opposition. But I don't think that would have made it to a lot of refrigerators if, if, they, if they use that. In this life, you will have bone crushing opposition. Um, Sign me up. Yeah, yeah, please, more, Lord, more. Wisdom um, from underneath the bus. Yeah, but but dang it, Brad, I wanted that one. <laughs> well, I got it. I got. It. I I had I've had three buses that have driven over and backed over. Some of them, you just kind of like, wait, you guys did this on purpose. Um, <laughs> I I sort of feel like, you know, if you can get over your own little pride of, oh my gosh, how can someone dare do this to me? There is so much to learn through the, the adversity. I mean, I, I wish rainbows and puppy dogs were the means of transformation, and that's yeah. just the great way to do it. But I think, I think God has put more of his love and kindness in my heart out of the difficulty, because I, that's where I've realized, wait a minute, you didn't leave. You're still here. And, and whether I was the author of the difficulty or whether someone else unkindly was, it doesn't matter. That's a really important point that you just said right there. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that, that, that's the me. If that explains kind of the, the, the what I care about, I, I, what, I what, like spending time in people's lives and helping them recognize you're not as alone as you think. Mm -hmm. That fits exactly with how, what I know about you which is not very much, but I just, from what I've seen, the, 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 the few, the several interactions that I've had with you in person, uh, watching you interact with people at church, that, that's exactly, you make yourself available. You're there and you just talk to people and yeah. whatever they're going through, you know, you know, that's how I remember you. So. Yeah. 
and well, and and you got a, you got a table of the founders bible behind you but it doesn't even have to be about that it could be about whatever well, they're going through at that time no what was so fascinating about the 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 founders bible project is um i i did not go pursuing that i was out uh, visiting david barton who's our like signature historian guy he has over a hundred thousand original source documents in his vault mm. and um these are like handwritten letters by uh, Washington, Jefferson, Benjamin Rush. And you're just going like, Benjamin Rush, you're just going like, wait a minute. Um, I got 16 units of master's level American church history. And I don't know any of this stuff. And I sat there going like, how is it that of all people, I should have been introduced to this. And I, I didn't know, I didn't know any of the stories that they were sharing with me. And I thought that was brilliant because I, I kind of, I got a little mad. I kind of like, wait a minute, we've been lied to. And, um, you know, that, that, that sort of spurned something on the inside. So while I was laying in my hotel bedroom that night, I heard the Lord kind of say, I, uh, I want you to do the founder's Bible. And I'm going like, well, Lord, I don't know that the world needs another Bible. I think they just need to read the one they have. You know, um, <laughs> that's, a funny, that's so funny because like, that's, that's exactly what my first reaction was to the, the book. When I first saw, I didn't know who you, I didn't know who, yeah. and I, I just thought, Oh, another, another, another one another of edition and it's huge. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, it's a four pound chicken. It'll convert you with one blow. It is, it is, and when I looked at it, I was like, I've never seen anything like this. No, I mean, we had some of the best designers on the planet, uh, a little group called Cashel Peterson have become my dear friends. And my gosh, they made it so beautiful. You could actually treat it like a magazine and have a really nice experience just paging through, which I kind of told the head designers like, you know, that's not helpful. I want them to read this. <laughs> um, but but what was what was so fascinating to me is. We even we even hired a an, a sketch artist. Uh, well, that, that's terrible. He's he's a for real artist. He did like Pale Rider and Clint Eastwood stuff. I mean, oh man, I love that film. Yeah, no, I mean he's he's like super good. And I told him, I said, you know what? I need you to do a whole bunch of artwork and um, you know oil pastel stuff um, because. I want people to realize who these founders were. They were guys that had dirt under their fingernails. They had muscles. They weren't just a bunch of old guys and wigs and pretending to be gentlemen. It's like these were folks that were pioneering and cutting down trees and having to bring forth um, a harvest out of just a mess. I'm just like, how did they even uproot the trees that were, were there? I mean, just it, it's, it's extraordinary to me. That they could have accomplished what they did without the power tools and convenience of today. You're just like, how did they do that? And so I wanted to dispel that image and really kind of get into the knit and grit of who these people are. And so throughout the whole Bible, it just has that kind of artwork and feel to it so that you kind of go like, oh, these are real people. These are real stories. This is not just, you know, tales of Paul Bunyan. And um because I was so impressed the sacrifice that they actually made. I mean, it's like here, nowhere else in, in, in all of history am I aware of that the elite of the day decided to risk everything, go someplace where they had to kind of um, 
kind of start from scratch, make something work. And they designed a society that would actually allow for everyone else to have a level playing field of freedom. They didn't, I mean, when they say that everyone is, you know, all men are created equal, they didn't think that all men were gifted equally. They didn't think they were all intelligent equally. They didn't think that there was a sameness that was supposed to happen. But they did believe this. Nobody has a right to rule over you. So that, that whole notion that, oh, America and slavery, it's like total contradiction here. It's like when, when, when that happened, that was already entrenched here. And one of, the, one of the reasons for the revolution is they wanted to outlaw it and the king wouldn't let them. Well, that didn't, that, I didn't learn that in, in school. They told me the exact opposite. It's like we're somehow the, the dirtiest, rotten, terrible people on the planet. And you're just like, no, we're, no, we're not. But there's not a there's not a sinless one in the bunch. It's like I think one of the things that I was really I wanted to do is I didn't want to tell a sanitized version of history. Good because if we, if we don't understand the messiness of life, we won't learn the lessons. And then guess what? You get that old adage that those that fail to learn the lessons are doomed to repeat them. I don't want to do that. I would like to not keep taking a lap around the mountain, but I'd actually like to learn and grow and be truly progressive. I mean, I hate, I hate what progressive <laughs> means, but I, I would love to be for progress. Not, 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 not for lose your mind and tyranny. Yeah. What, um, what a concept. Yeah. And I mean, how cool is this? If you actually look at the founders, they were all in the day, they were all liberals and, and, and but they were the true meaning of a liberal. They were for liberty yeah. and they wanted to extend it to everyone. And I'm just going like, you know what, we need to recapture language. We need to become intelligent again and actually understand what words mean. And, and I, think, I think if we did that, we'd actually find ourselves in far more agreement with people that we're so vehemently opposed to because we, we, we'd, stop be, we'd stop talking in little buzz phrase and triggers yeah. and we'd actually listen to each other. I was, I was so amazed at the absolute wrestling match, knockdown, terrible fights that they had in the olden days, because it's like, you know what? They passionately cared about what people thought. They were not apathetic. They were, they were actually trying to wrestle through and they made government so difficult to change that you wouldn't just do it willy nilly. It's like, I think they would just like, wait a minute, how is this all being done by fiat and executive order? We don't want Kings anymore. And so, I, and so I, I look at what we have today, and I, I do scratch my head, having done a profound deep dive in our history to go, this is the foundation that they laid, and it's pretty exquisite, because it does not demand conformity. You don't have to believe the same. They set up the, the, the playing fields that would allow people to absolutely, utterly disagree but they forced you into the free market of ideas. And they said, let's duke it out. Let's let the truth win. Let, let's, let's judge something by the fruit that it bears. And then we'll see how that works. And I'm going like, my gosh, if we would go back to some of those founding principles and really embrace them, we, we would enjoy the fruits of what they had laid down, which allowed for the most free, the most prosperous, the most longstanding, successful nation on the face of this earth that I kind of look at today. I'm like, Oh wow. Have the mighty have fallen. I mean, it's like, I'm not just a patriotic, you know, national thumper. I'm going like, 
Yeah. Wow. God did something extraordinary here. And we're going to have to answer for why we haven't been stewards. So that's my little soapbox. That's sobering. Well, I, I, you know, it's interesting because they didn't choose a democracy. Everyone thinks democracy is great. I'm going like the founders universally hated it, which is, I just was, that was a shock. I was like, wait a minute. Everyone says we're a democracy and yet they would never have established a democracy. So how'd that happen? It's a, it's amazing how many uh, my colleagues or just people who teach college just take the morality of the positive morality of democracy for granted. So weird. I was listening to a podcast today where the guys like, I think the head of the democracy project or something, and just the way they talk about it, like it's, you know, and um, I just want to reiterate your point that we in the, in the United States, I say we, and I, I mean the American people abolished slavery. Yes. Now, yeah, there were people fighting to preserve slavery. That's true. So That's I guess very, those very are the powerful. those are not the we, I guess. But yeah. but uh, by the way, they were Democrats. Uh, but <laughs> could be uh, a little factor. They typically leave that part out, but or they just supplement it with some story about how the party switched or something. And I always ask, what what year was that? And sometimes I'll say 1964, and then I'll say, so JFK was a Republican. FDR was a Republican. And anyway, they just look at me like, wait, hold on, you're making me think here. Hold on a second. <laughs> it's just, but you know, the, this you're right. It, the story is a lot more interesting than a lot of students get out of out of their studies sometimes that's not always the professor's fault sometimes it's it's the student's fault for not studying but now there's so much grade inflation it's kind of both i think you do have to dig how did you how did you get into how, what led you into the interesting original source material was it your friendship with david barton yeah i mean that's, it, that's his deal I I had become at the time partners with the guy that invented digital music. He, he built the platforms, iTunes, and he sold it to Steve Jobs. Oh, cool. And so that's rather cool. And so before like Google and Facebook were kind of like a big thing, this company that we were starting up was recognizing that most all of the, the, the main drivers of traffic on the internet were the pundits or the celebrities. And so we had contracts with all of them. We were going to basically enable sort of siloed traffic where they could be in charge of their own constituency. And as opposed to making big tech all the money, they would be in charge of their data. It was like they would have their own, you know, sort of identity freedom and all that. And so it's like, you know, let my people go. And, um, and so I was really excited about that. And David Barton was like best friends with Glenn Beck. And so David was sort of like the gatekeeper for projects. And I knew some friends that knew David. And so I went out there for a weekend and we just got, I got so fascinated with his little kind of museum and his archives. And I sat there going like, wait a minute, I, I should, of all people, I should have actually bumped into some of this stuff. Why do I know nothing about it? Why have I never heard this guy, Benjamin Rush, that if you would if you would tr- think of the true fathers of America, um, it would be George Washington, um, Benjamin Franklin, 
you, you might wrestle with Thomas Jefferson, but Benjamin Rush would have been the great guy of the day. And we made him sort of the patron saint of the, the founder's Bible just because nobody hears about it. And why has he been expunged? Well, because he's probably the most outspoken, truly religious Christian that there is. And I use that not as a pejorative, but it's like this guy lived it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he not only was he sort of the, the father of American medicine, but he began the whole Sunday school movement. I mean, he, he lobbied to make sure that our first textbook was the Bible. And it wasn't because he was cramming things down their throat. They just said, you're never going to be a good citizen if you don't understand where the truth of light comes from. And if, if we don't want to be ruled by other people, we want to be ruled by time-tested truth that we can find in the scriptures. So we're actually going to make that our court of appeal, that where you and I disagree, if the Bible doesn't have anything to say about it, then you're free to follow your conscience. But if the Bible does have something to say, then we're going to wrestle with that and try to understand how to apply that in life. And I'm going like, no flipping way. I mean, we, we have public school education because of this crazy thing called the old deluder Satan law. And, 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 and they all got together and said, hey, wherever there are more than 50 homes in an area, we're going to mandate that you build a schoolhouse and that you teach people the Bible as our first textbook. Because they said, you'll not be a functional citizen if you don't have a knowledge of the light of truth. You won't. It's like when we were jurors, and everyone like avoids jury duty today. But back in the day, if you were called upon, the juror's job was to sit and, and judge the judge, judge the lawyers, judge the case, and judge the law. And if any one of those was out of line, You're supposed to call a flag on the play as a citizen juror and say, wait a minute, that's not right. Justice is being perverted. They didn't allow funny things of law to pervert justice. And you're just going like, wait a minute, I've been through the meat grinder of our of our justice system. There's no justice anywhere. I mean, you look at the election, the the stolen election, the fraud. You just go like, what the heck? Well, you don't have standing. What do you mean I don't have standing? I am, I am a citizen. That's error. That, that is utter fraud. And we, we, we can't even look at that. No, no standing for you. And you're just like, wow, we have these founding documents that we completely disregard in modern society today. And I go like, we just have the theater of our founding. And, and it really ticks me off because I know what it is. And, yeah. and that's why, you know, it's like, I don't, the last thing I want to do is pedal stuff, but my gosh, if you <laughs> have not had an education, if you really don't know where we began, you won't know when your your rights are being violated. You won't know what to fight for. You don't know. You don't. You won't know why those things actually matter. Yeah. And if society is going to work. We cannot sit on the sidelines and keep binge watching Netflix. We we actually have to get educated. And it's not written for, you know, just PhDs piled high and deep. It's like they purposely wrote all this stuff in modern day language for the common man so that he could go, I don't need a law degree to understand the Constitution. One, they don't teach it in in law school. That's a big point, what you just said right there. You don't need a law degree to understand the Constitution. You don't. It is is self-explanatory. And and here's here's a funny thing. Everyone thinks, oh, the Constitution, the Constitution, this is a word for the Constitution. 
They don't even know what a constitution was. And it originally was a debt agreement. That's, that's going to mess you up. It's, it's a debt agreement, which is why Patrick Henry, which we would never have had the Revolutionary War if it wasn't for his voice, give me liberty, give me death. He, he, he started this whole rabble-rousing thing. He and Jefferson used to sit back in the taverns in the dark, and they would conspire together. <laughs> and, and, and they started the revolution before anything ever happened in Concord. But he would not sign the Constitution because he smelled a rat. He knew what the Constitution was. And he said, wait a minute. We just fought a war. We won that war. Why are we saying, why, why are we saddling ourselves with the debt that comes from the French and Indian War? And so it's like the thing that preserves our liberties is the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights. The bylaws of the organization are what the Constitution is. And that's that. And, and so when people say, oh, the Constitution, I'm like, you haven't read it. You, you, no. you don't, because there's nothing I want to quote in the Constitution. It's just a bunch of sort of like bylaws of rules. The things that inspire me are in the Declaration of Independence. That's the mission statement of, of this nation. And that's, that, that's the first thing that says, guess what? We're not a democracy. We're, a, we're, a, we're actually a monarchy with God as the true king. And then we, as the people, are the next sovereign entity. And we're supposed to be free. And then we set up governments to ensure our freedom. My gosh, dude, have we ever flipped that on its head? So a black person is maybe listening to this and saying, but you're using the word we, but I don't feel like I'm part of that we. And the reality was Jefferson, when he wrote that, if you actually go to his original drafts, they, they absolutely included all the black people. And it was we, all of them. What about women? And I think they weren't all men. I, I think it was all I think it was all men. Very valid point. And and so you, you look at the fact that here's what I love about God is he does not work with perfect people. That and, and why is that good? Well, I mean, we qualify. Wait, hold on a second. Which <laughs> Old Testament are you reading here? <laughs> no, no, no. We my Old Testament, they're perfect. No, we they're not a single one of the bunch. We qualify. And what, what God does is he steps in, he takes you where you are, and then he grows you sure. to a, a different, different place. And what we see in, our, in our, our history, if we don't sanitize it or agendize it, we see a messy set of people who are discovering more and more truth. And as they do, what's so amazing to me is the principles that they laid down, they work. They work then, they work now, they gave us a way and they, they made it purposely cumbersome so that you'd really right, right, not right. changing it. Yeah. Well, and the fruits of it keep getting better and better. Absolutely. Good That's racist. That's racist. <laughs> no, no, well, you know, I'm a bald white guy, you know. No, you, you know what's so frustrating is I, I wrote this screenplay on the life of Fred, Frederick Douglass and You'd think that everybody who cared anything about slavery would actually know about Frederick Douglass because we would not have the abolition of slavery if it wasn't for that singular life. Mm. Lincoln, he thought slavery was wrong, but he didn't think that white people and black people were the same. 
he, he, he obviously believed that black people were an inferior race until he met Frederick Douglass. And when he met Frederick Douglass, he, I mean, his, his mind was blown because he had never met the equal. This guy right. was so amazing that he kind of went, oh my gosh, I actually need to rethink this. And if you look at his first inaugural address versus his second inaugural address, you would not think that the same man gave both speeches. You just be like, what happened to him? And I can tell you the one thing that happened to him, he met Frederick Douglass. Do you remember what year that was? That would he would have met Frederick Douglass in 1861. And why? Well, Frederick Douglass was, I would think, the Bono of his day. He was he was an absolute international <laughs> rock star. I'm serious. Bono. That's funny. Oh, even for the younger for the younger kids, they probably don't know. They don't know who Bono oh, is. Yeah. What did you just say? And they don't I, care. Oh, oh, you're gonna pre- the man with no hair is gonna pretend he's one of the youthful ones in our mix. Okay, <laughs> right. Um, no, I, 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 I look at Frederick Douglass was an internationally known rock star orator, one of the greatest speech givers in the age, the golden age of oratory. And he publicly shamed Lincoln off of his position where Lincoln's solution for slavery, let's all just ship all the black people down to the Dominican Republic in, in, in Haiti. That'll work. We'll just get rid of all the black people. <laughs> just like, wait, wait a minute here. Not cool. And 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 Douglas. Well, he, he was worried that they'd be so angry. I mean, and where did he get that thought? Uh, but that they would be so angry that they wouldn't be. Uh, they would be kind of like an enemy from within. You know. Well, the the reality is, is I mean, there was some. He was running for office during the time where they were deciding between the additional states that were going to be added in, whether they were free or slave. And so he's right. looking at this one, like they, they used to have all these um, debates that would last days. They didn't have television. Yeah. Well, Frederick Douglass was a Patriot, right? That's totally. the weird, that's the weird thing about That's what, that's what blew his mind was. Totally. Oh, and, and, and hold up. Hold up. <laughs> Um, but what was so amazing is Douglas and him became amazing friends. So much so that when um, Lincoln was shot, um, his wife actually gave Lincoln's walking cane as a gift to Frederick Douglass and, 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 and commissioned him to continue on the fight and the journey. And I mean, it, it's, it's pretty endearing. And we would never have Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. Without, without Douglas, you wouldn't have the civil rights movement if it wasn't for Douglas. Mm-hmm. He, he was the biggest outspoken proponent of the founding principles of this nation. That's the key point right there. He, he said, that's it right there. You just actually going to believe what we wrote in our founding documents. Yeah. That it does apply. He didn't say, oh, well, you don't. That doesn't apply to me. He said, no, right. that does apply to me. Yeah. And I am not backing off the truth of that. Yeah. And, and I, in other know, words, he just held the he white held majority to those words. Yeah. yeah. He said like, okay, do you really believe this? Are you, you're proud of it, but do you really believe it? And he wanted to see a, a refounding of America, putting it back on. I mean, it's like, here he is just a hundred years later from the, you know, the beginning of this. 
And it's like, oh my gosh, look how far we have actually drifted away from our founding realities. And he gave his entire life to fighting for the rights of all people. And he was so scandalous, he ended up marrying a white lady at the end of his life. And it's totally- to edit that part out. No, 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 no. No, it, it's on purpose. <laughs> Just kidding. Because he sat there saying, I fell in love with this woman. Mm-hmm. I didn't fall in love with a color. And years ago, like, no flipping way. I mean, it was scandalous in the day, the, the mixing of the races. Oh, my gosh. And he's been like, what? <laughs> We're humans. It's like, this just it is crazy. And so I got brought onto that project because it's yeah. like, um, they were trying to calibrate his voice and they started off with some guy that wrote 12 years of slave. He did a great job actually writing it. I thought it was inspiring. And then they gave it to um, a couple of Baltimore guys and um, they, they, they brought the angst that needed to be in it, but I felt like a total punch in the face. And, mm-hmm. and, and I was like, gosh, I was inspired and now I feel punched in the face and I'm not sure how to feel about this because <laughs> I might deserve the punch, but I didn't. I, I don't like recall it. the film very much. So I'm, I'm, I'm missing the subtle distinction you're making there, but yeah, it, of course I didn't well, see the original, uh, original. No, no, we, we, we haven't, we haven't brought this out yet. This is, this is still a, a project in the works, but I got oh, okay. the project I gotcha, I gotcha. in order to kind of, somehow reconcile the two because I was inspired with the one and I totally appreciated the grit of the other, but they didn't, they still didn't feel. So I, I, I spent like an entire year um, diving into the civil war into Frederick Douglass. I, I must've read almost 40 different volumes of his life in that wow. whole period of time. Wow. And so, I mean, I, I became honestly a subject matter expert enough. So to realize that historians lie. They're, they're butts off and, and they have their agenda and they cherry pick facts. I was able to go like, okay, here we have dueling narratives. They're both using the same fact pattern, but they're both taking it to completely different conclusions. Therefore, the truth must be somewhere between these two. It's mm. like, it's not this and it's not this. And, and so that's, that's where I really got the passion to realize that history is really important. We should look at eyewitnesses because they're actually not the ones that when, when you're there, you don't quite have the freedom to just fake it and, 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 and do the kind of things that people a hundred years downstream do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even if I was to be kind to them and say, well, they just didn't understand. It's like, no, oh, I think they did understand it. Just they have an agenda. And so it, it, it's hard to kind of learn our history yes. without the imposition of people's agendas and political. Difficult, yeah. and, and, and it's like, that's why you gotta have to read the entire spectrum. You gotta read the people that you like. You gotta read the people that you hate, and you gotta somehow, in your own head, do the work of letting the debate happen and go like, "I wonder what really is the truth." Mm-hmm. Then, then you might actually come away educated. But we don't. We don't do that, and and we don't teach people to do that. You do, and I, that's why I, I, I think that's why we got along rather favors. I would. I like this guy, um, but I, I came away with that, and I, I went, "Wow." There's a messier version of history here, and, and not even our hero doesn't have a mess with his life. I mean, it's like if we're honest with him, and 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 so I really tried to dig in to go like, why was he the way he was? How do we how do we answer that? What actually worked and inspired him? And I found some answers that were just exquisite. So when I when I did my pass on the screenplay, the the family of ancestors 
they didn't know which color I was. And they, but they, they, they read the script and they went, oh my gosh, someone has finally captured Frederick's voice. And they, and they felt like this is the one we, they, they could have gone with Obama and his little group because they had a Netflix deal and that they decided, let's go with this one. But I think it was a real challenge when they found out that I was me. <laughs> you should have photoshopped your your photo that you sent no in. no i would get in real trouble if i did that but but what was so fantastic you don't know no you don't understand you don't understand i'm 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 black yeah i'm well does that help three, three <laughs> that helps me uh, read the script better yeah three millimeters in we're all the same color that's right i know I mean, we are I mean, That's three right. millimeters. Well, the, this, it's like I might have a, some other guy might have a little more melanin in his in yeah. his, his body, and so he's a little darker for you. I I actually am a red haired. I mean, this is golden hair. This is this is you know. But <laughs> I actually can tan as a redhead, so I'm unique in the planet. Yeah, that's I, right. You're a, a redskin. You are a redskin. That's yeah. true. I'm not allowed well, to name a team after you, though. <laughs> no, you well, can't. They actually like it. Um, I know they do. Well, some of them, but yeah, well, you know, it's not like, okay. So the, uh, on campus, I've noticed that the obsession with skin color is typically my Democrat students and faculty typically. And I've, and as you're talking about American history, there's virtue there as American history signaling to you that yeah, that's right. That's right. But in American history, when I look at the upset, the people that are obsessed with skin color, obsessed with race, obsessed with making these distinctions, they're also Democrats and they founded the Ku Klux Klan and they, you know, they they fought to preserve slavery. And I, I see this like similarity going through history and I have to look at it through a spiritual lens. And I wonder about the spiritual battle in American history. It's hard to it's hard to have this discussion with, with PhD people because they kind of don't if, believe in God often that see, that's kind of where I was going is that the, yeah. the students and the faculty, they have a different worldview than Frederick Douglass did. They have a different worldview totally. than Abraham Lincoln did. And, and, and many of the founders that were believers or some of the founders had slaves and, and they were ambivalent about it. Uh, or they were pro-slavery to some extent. Yeah, not, they're, as, they're, not as they're, bad as Calhoun later, but no, but, that guy's that guy rotten. There, there's yeah, yeah. there's two um, colonies of the original thirteen that were absolutely dead set. No, no, our entire way of life is built on this free labor. Yes, and and in history, well, I said, oh well, let's let's add some justification. That's, that's for a pretty it. powerful motivation when you're getting money like that. Yeah. I mean, and it's sure. like, and, and, I tell and, my students, I tell my students that y- you look at, they have a tendency to look at the Southerners with contempt and there, there is a culture like that in, in, in the academic world. And I think, you know, the, 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 the Northerners weren't better people. They just had huh. less of a temptation to sin because there's a shorter growing season. And, and so what is your temptation? What are you, So I tell my students, look, you, what are you tempted to sin in that you're not aware of? You know, I mean, they, yes, it, <laughs> this is just a human issue of temp- free labor. That's very tempting. But, uh, you know, getting rid of your child so that you can finish your community college. I mean, killing your own child 
that, that's and that's calling that a problem. personal right. <laughs> a freedom. <laughs> that, I mean, the, the, no, no, the slaveholders use the same language of personal rights. No, I think you, um, nice, it's, nice it's, point. it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. And I, I think, just no, no, so no, you can just, finish a, a community college class, you want to kill your own child. So, I mean, that's a temptation that you have because it's legal. And it's gone it's on all legal and all it's through. socially acceptable. So as I was saying, you have to look at yourself the same way. You can't see yourself how later generations are going to look at you, but God sees where you're at. God sees you exactly where you're at. So you have to think, uh, some of the students go, well, I don't believe in God. Well, okay. It, it won't matter. Well, let's go back. You know, I mean, that's what I love about the founder's Bible is it gets to the spiritual, the spiritual issue is front and center and you can't get around it. And, and here's, around the, it. here's the really cool thing. They did not think you had to be a personal um, follower of Jesus Christ. Most of most all of them were, but they didn't think you needed to. They just said, you know what? We're going to have to come up with some agreed upon rules by which we're all going to be submitted to. And if, unless we're going to be a monarchy and we're going to make that a person, we're going to go to the next best thing. And we're going to go to this book and we're going to say that's our court of appeal. This will be the, the, the this will have weight to speak to us as we debate whether these things are true or not. And, and that will be our court of appeal as opposed to a guy. And the reason they said, you got to believe that God exists is because they made a fundamental decision. Where do our rights come from? If they come from a government, then the truth is, is you're not really free. You have privileges. Yeah. That's a huge point right there. If they come from God and they are inalienable, meaning you, you can't do anything to take them away from me. They are pre-existent before we establish government. Therefore, my state before the living God is I have, we're all equal, meaning you don't get a rule over me and I don't get a rule over you. We're not the same. We don't have the same skill set. We don't have the same background. We don't have the same bank account. There's nothing same about us but you don't have the right to rule over me and I don't have the right to rule over you. Well, how are we going to get along? Well, we may not get along. So how are we going to live together? Well, we're going to have to agree upon some fundamentals if we're going to, if we're going to agree together. And guess what? Most of the religious history of all the colonies, they did not even remotely agree with each other. They were, they no. would just soon burn each other, kill each other all in the name of God. You just go like, Oh, my land. It's, it, it was nothing remotely perfect, which is like, let's, let's not sanitize this. Religion is a nasty hammer to bludgeon somebody else because then you sort of self-righteously do it as though I've got the God-given right to do that. And, and some of those horrible things have been done in the name of religion. That doesn't reflect sure. the God I know and worship and follow, but it has been done in his name. So if there's yeah. a bunch of people out there like, I don't know about that. I think I think we ought to just be honest and realize, wow, there have not been a lot of great followers. But just because someone's not a great follower, like, you know, okay, so you're the, right. you're the Republican president. That's great. There's a lot of Republicans I can't stand right now that I'm going like, you're not even a Republican. <laughs> it's, it's like you don't even know what that word means. But 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 you got some party affiliation that you raise a lot of cash for, so you have a voice because 
Politics is not about principles. It's about fundraising. And if you have the currency of money, then you get to have the influence. And I'm like, that's not exactly what they put in our foundation. Well, the, the, the money translates into influence when you have a population that's being squirted out of college that's great inflated and has a low attention span. Because that's what the money is for, is to get that teeny little attention span yeah. and pump it full of nonsense. Which is, I you know, so that's what I try to guard against. And of course, I'm not very I, well compensated I just be for on the that. record. I am not going to be, I'm not for this universal basic life income. I'm not going to sit and watch Netflix and get my meta, meta glasses. <laughs> I, will, I will run off into the woods and never be seen again if that's where we're headed. And I'll set up the independent state of Jefferson somewhere. Okay. <laughs> this is not okay. And if, and if you have a copy of the Founders Bible, you too can set up your own nation and have a lot of the work already done for you. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> for $99. Oh, oh, sorry. Right, Brad, you're obvious, you obviously have a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm about these issues. Did you always have that enthusiasm and that interest or did, did that change I, in your adult life somehow? No, I, I think I got an extra dose of passion when I was a little guy. Um, I was think it the six-year-old looking at, was it Jesus winking at you or who was it? I'm, 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 yeah, it was Jesus that was winking at me. And I, I don't think I've ever, I haven't, I haven't run out of the gas that that provided. I really haven't. I've gone through all crap, but I think what's always kept me in the game. I'm going like, I cannot unsee that. I, you, you don't need to talk to me about the reality of a God that I actually know. It's kind of like, I can't unknow him. I might not like him. I may feel like he doesn't like me at a moment, yeah. but the truth is, is I know he really exists. And because I think he has won me to a place of trust, I have a much different foundation from which to look at this stuff. Cause I'm going like, wait a minute. It's like fourth quarter. We're down by a bunch. And I'm going like, put me in coach, put me in, throw me the ball. It's like, I, cause I, I know what he's capable of doing. I don't have a lot of confidence in me, but I do have an awful lot of confidence in him mm-hmm. and he uses available people. I'm going like, yes. well, I can do that. so, so, you know, I'm like, like the Shrek donkey jumping in the background, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and, and so there is a sense of passion. When, when I look at politics, you know, people, I have not, I've had this running debate with Barton and a whole bunch of other people because I'm just like, why is it that the church that should be at the forefront of all this stuff? Because they were in all of history. Where are they? Why, why somehow do we go, oh, that's the fleshly thing? I'm like, no, politics is the outworking of your discipleship. And this is a living out of what you believe. Let me just give a little, a little commercial, if you will, for Calvary Chapel, God speak. Because yeah. in the last two years, we have seen some pretty horrific uh, overreaches by government in the name of public health. Every any time that a government dons the cloak of "we're at war" or "this is public health," the the uh, the traditional police power of the state grows, um, and so that's that's why they do that if they want more power. Now, I'm not saying every public health issue is just a matter of people uh, in government that want more power, but I'm saying that we are, we believe that people are fallen and there's a constant temptation for 
tyranny, even if it's unconscious on the part of the people doing it. It doesn't have to be a conspiracy where they're explicitly talking on the phone saying, do you agree with this? Yes. Okay. We have a conspiracy now. Yay. No, it's not that necessarily. It could be just people like the slaveholders. They, they had this temptation to sin and it was too easy. They already own free labor. It's too easy. And it's very difficult to overcome that. And I think that with the public health crisis uh, last year, um, uh, your church was just a model in Ventura County. Rob McCoy opened that church back up and got fined over and over again. And the cops showed up and uh, were, they were having these weekly YouTube. I think it was even nightly or something. YouTube. Yeah. Uh, discussions with medical doctors and looking at the data, looking at the specific data. I, I saw those YouTube videos. In fact, my grandpa was mentioned in a couple of them. God bless him. And I, and I, I saved those. And, um, and then I, I think it got taken off of YouTube and I couldn't believe the censorship. I was like, how do you, how do you have a, how do you double check? If it, how does average everyday people who want to know have good, maybe they're Democrats or maybe they're independents or whatever, and they're just trying to figure out what's true. Are these people totally crazy, these Republicans or these spiritual people over there at Godspeak? And they can't even double check. The historians can't even go look at those YouTube videos. To, to double check, you could, if I wanted to write a PhD dissertation on God speak, Calvary Chapel, why they reopened. That's an interesting question for a PhD dissertation. Where's the primary sources? I can't go back to it. They're, they're erased. Blocked. And that is prima facie evidence of a at least a dark spiritual reality, if you believe in the spiritual, which I do. Yeah. That is prima facie evidence. Because that's right. Lies can and and deception. They well, need censorship. They, they, need they, censorship. Need, they need to be protected. The truth. Why the censorship? And for itself, but a lie, it 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 it'll, it'll get shred. And so, why you, are you so afraid? Yeah, you gotta protect. It's, it's just like going through a library and taking a bunch a bunch of books from the Republicans and throwing them and burning them, and then all that's left is Democrat books. And, uh, and then, you, you know, and you, and you just, well, those were dangerous books. Those were, they had a dang, those were misinformation. Had, well, how do I know it was misinformation? If I'm just coming, I'm just supposed to trust you, you know, yes. that's how YouTube is run. It, this is the, like a the, the, the ministry of truth says, trust me. This is going up on YouTube. by the way. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> we'll keep it there as long as we can ironically yeah yeah i i think that's the thing that you just go like oh my gosh i i don't know how many times i have thought in the last decade well I, isn't this america isn't this america and you find a whole bunch of things that we all think are sort of you know died in the wool just things that we believe and i'm just like oh my gosh this is no longer america this is well, america youtube's a private and- company they can do whatever they want youtube's a private company they can do whatever they want. Yeah, who's, well, who's saying that? Well, ability would we want it? And then we'll, we'll 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 regulate it in such a way that oh, I'm private, so I can do whatever. It's like no, I, I know, but it's but but the here's social, here and the social and intellectual and epistemological point that I just made is still true. 
<laughs> it's Democrats doing this, and and it's obviously for a political reason, even if it's not fully conscious. I'm not saying that YouTube people over there that are making these decisions are thinking something as simple and stupid as, so don't straw man me. I'm not saying, or straw woman or straw person, however you want to, whatever it is now. Uh, I'm not saying that they're, they're planning and they're talking to each other on the phone. They're saying, let's make sure that we get Joe Biden to win by erasing these YouTube videos. Okay. It's not that. It's, it's, it's something much more human and dis- uh-huh. and it's more familiar. We, we all have temptations to get some kind of advantage or to, you know, in the give and take of, of the struggle for for control that's that's why one of the things that i think is so amazing is not so much our founders i mean i like our founders but it's the forefathers that came over here we have deemed them pilgrims we shouldn't because they never named themselves and they never named themselves on purpose Hmm. the guy that was sort of their pastor i i think he'll probably win an award in heaven as the best pastor ever um he actually didn't even come across with them and, and he said, look, God is in the process of restoring truth to us. So do not camp around a man. Do not camp around an ism because we do not have the full light of truth restored. Never stop growing. Never yeah. stop pressing in. Right. Continue to press after, follow mm-hmm. Jesus, and ask questions incessantly. You're still like, okay, when was the last time someone who's a leader gave you that kind of challenge? I think the reason I kind of, and the reason I really enjoy you, Lucas, is because I sort of, I was hearing similar echoes in the way that you were talking about ways you challenge your students. I'm going like, see, that's going to actually lead to truth. You, yeah, you, un, right. you unshackle someone to actually be led by their curiosity and, and you fan that flame into something wonderful where you're just going like, the human heart was designed to be a learner. And, and when all of a sudden that light gets turned on, good luck stopping that person. When, 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 when that blows up on the inside, you, you, you mentioned about passion. My, that's because I absolutely love being a lifelong learner. That's called being a disciple. Mm. And, and the guy that I'm really following, I'm never going to exhaust. Mm. You know, the reason I could kind of, I'll be a screenwriter, I'll be a publisher, I'll be a producer, I'll be a ditch digger, I'll be a business guy. I mean, it's, it's because I have followed him in my pursuit of him and curiosity of truth. He has led me into all kinds of different things that I'm going like, he's given me a capacity to respond. And so I go like, because I'm not defining, like you, if you ask my kids, like, what does dad do? I don't know what they would say because they would have a whole bevy of things to try to, well, he's this, he's that. He's, and I purposely don't work for anybody. Why? Because I don't want to be their slave. I don't want to be their economic hostage. I don't want to have to obey all their rules. Is it easier to be your own boss? I think so, but it's a little scarier because it's kind of like jumping off a cliff and then doing the squirrel thing. Um, it's a little hard, you know, because there's not a safety net. There's no, you know, there's no parachute. So you just kind of like, I hope the wind works, you know. Um, and, and it's, it's a little challenging in the world of lockdowns and EMP to just go like, okay, so if that happens, what's going to, what's, what's going to happen? It's like, we have really tough days ahead Uh, and I think that it's, it's going to be, it's going to be the tale of two, you know, destinies. It's the most glorious thing 
And it's going to be the most challenging thing, mm. but it's going to reveal what's in you. You know, yes. the, the, you know the reason I look at what's going on, I'm like, this is not so bad. Mm. This is a great pop quiz for Ooh, all. Of that's that's good. That's good. This is not so bad. Tell us why. No, because it is we need to hear this to us in whom and what we actually place our trust. Yes. As much as I don't enjoy the tyrannical overreaches, my response to them is incredibly illuminating in terms of, do I actually know that I'm free? Because if I believe I'm really free, I don't really give a rip what they're saying. I'm not going to obey it. Oh, but, but, but you'll be in trouble. So I've been in trouble before. Okay. I've, I've lost everything before. So if they're my source, then I have to obey my master. If he's my source, then I don't. And, and I read the Bible and it's like, guess what? For 40 years, even to a rebellious people that didn't get it, he still put food on their lawn. Brad, he, he caused their clothes to grow. I mean, he did amazing things in the Old Testament, and we're supposed to live in a better day. So, so do I actually believe that there's a living God and that he actually does stuff? Or am I one of the original deists that just thinks he wound up the clock and then he's sitting back in the, in the cheap seats going, like, I wonder how this could turn out. I think he's more active. He is in my life. You know, so you can't explain my life if there isn't some living, invisible being that's my friend, because that kind of really is what explains a lot of what I do. Brad, do you ever have anxiety? Moments, yeah. Do you, do you get sad? Yeah, when, when uh, yeah, people, they suck sometimes. They can be really cruel. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I get the, I, I don't think we, we don't have immunity from the harsh realities of life. And if, if, if I want to live as a free person, I can't exactly control everybody else. And, and wow, I, I, don't, I'll, I don't know about you, but I do believe in the sinfulness of man because I've experienced that crap. Brad, I've, I've done it. Brad, you're, you're, we're getting to know you so well here. It's awesome. <laughs> we're just wondering, like, uh, um, what's a typical day in the life of Brad? What time do you get up? What do you have for breakfast? Stuff like that. You know, I mean, I, what, what, what's your day I'm just, like? I'm a super night owl. My, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to repair my ways, but because my phone doesn't ring between like 11 p.m. and 4 a.m., those are some of my most productive hours. Praise God. Um, and the nice thing is I have this rule. I have to go to bed before the sun comes up or otherwise I think I turned into stone. It's like some ancient rune thing or something. You like had that. me at you had me at owl. Yeah. So I, I, I are the night owl and, and those guys are wise. And so I spend a lot of my my own time really enjoying frankly the lord um i usually got worship music going on i i have my own like moments where i'm just like this is the best ever that's what you doing creative work at this time are you doing like like yeah i'll do do accounting and stupid stuff during the day because i can just do that like whatever but the creative stuff yeah that comes out at night um because i have a lovely wife i don't always stay up till four in the morning and so, um, but she, she's trying to get me to become more, um, I don't know what the opposite of nocturnal is because I haven't got there yet, but she likes to see me wake up in the morning, like when the sun comes up. So she usually has the window shades up, so like when the sun's up. So 
Usually I get about four or five hours of sleep. I think that's like, you got to at least get that. And then um, I love coffee. That's I, I've been partaking. And, God. And, and this is, a, this is a big one. This is a 20 <laughs> ounce of it. Um, and what do you have I, for breakfast? So breakfast is your dinner or what? No, I mean, sometimes I skip breakfast and just oh, do okay. liquid caffeine thing. Other times, if I have a little bit of time, I really love, uh, I love me some bacon and I'll, you know, whether it's good for me or not, I just really go like, God, you made pigs. That's amazing. That is just flat out amazing. So I worship God with a little bit of bacon. Mm -hmm. And then my wife makes this really healthy, natural, all natural ingredients, um, sourdough bread. It's the best. So I usually have something with sourdough bread. I don't even have to put butter on it. It's that good. And um, I have I have reformed my ways because when COVID hit, I realized I had all the co- comorbidities and um, God got in my face and he kind of said, you know, hey, if you're not going to take this seriously, I'm going to give your assignments to somebody else because you won't be here. I went, wait a minute. I thought, was, I thought it was one of your favorites. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold up. Yeah, I can work out. Yo, I can work out. Yeah, he said, Yes, you are. That's why I'm in your face. And it's like, oh, point point taken. I I got it. To whom much is given, much is required. It's like, oh goodness. So I had to repent to my wife. And um, that was good because that means you know some growth and humility and wisdom. And I realized all the organic stuff that she had been trying to get us to do that I don't recognize is actually like really good, healthy for you. So the, the cool thing is. I'm probably my healthiest self. I'm off all of the meds that I had because they were like rabbits spawning each other. And, <laughs> and so I'm done with the pharma stuff. That's evil. It's sorcery. It's pharmacia. It's like it's in the book of Revelation. It's scary stuff. And, and so I'm done with I'm done with pharma. We're like completely doing natural, organic, good foods. Um, I have shed 30 some pounds in the oh, last. Congratulations. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, Do you want to ask around the house? No, no, I, I, I like, I like reading. I, I, I try to get away. I got to be on a plane for like six, eight hours today. Oh, I try no. to just slow eat a pretzel yes. for hours. Yeah. <laughs> Savor oh, that. The mask. Oh, I did. Oh, Wait a minute. I'm not done yet. <laughs> it's the best pretzel ever. I just, I smoke my little pretzel the entire plane ride. So I, it's, I've been getting away with it. So it's, it's, it's awesome. You know, cause because every now and then they do hire for every flight a Karen and, and a not and a not Nazi form of Karen. You just go like, you know, I really am tempted to push you out of the plane, but I will lead you to Jesus before I do. I promise. So yeah. well, maybe you can inspire some little abused little kids that are yes. just yes. constantly uh, made to feel bad and, and unhealthy and, and like vectors of disease for adults. Yeah. You know, put your mask on, you're gonna kill somebody. I just think that that's child abuse, honestly. I'm going to kill you if you keep saying that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so um, you don't wear a mask when you're driving by yourself. Okay, hold on. No, I don't wear a mask when I'm driving by myself. I, I, I love not having to commute in Southern California, LA, because I, I commute from the upstairs to the downstairs. Occasionally, there's a cat on the stairs or something like that, but that's, that's, the, that's the bulk of traffic. Does the cat wear a mask? No, no. <laughs> Sometimes you need to wear a diaper because I just like, what are you doing? It's like, there's a box for that, you know? Um, but I, I still mow my own lawn because that's great think time. 
Um, I love mowing lawns. I've got right now my like small circle of friends are a whole bunch of like super awesome like podcaster folks with millions of followers. So the truth is, is I'm oh, kinda, Brad, you didn't have I, to. It's a little premature. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, I, not, oh not me. Oh, 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 this is awkward. Like this, this would be so awesome. awkward. Oh my God. No, but I think what's so fun is right now, because of a lot of the different projects that I've been doing, somehow I've gotten access to, I think, some of the greatest thinkers, processors, um, frontline freedom fighter people right now. And oh my gosh, um, the conversations that we've been having, I think have been some of the most thrilling in my life in terms of just really being challenged with how do we interpret all the goofiness that's going on in front of us and how do we make sense of it and how do we how do we do something that doesn't just work for me and the people of my preference but how do we do something that works for society Mm -hmm. and and how does it work for the guy that really thinks i'm a nutbag you know Mm -hmm. racist misogynist all this you know it's like you dismiss me with a thousand labels how does it work for him too yeah and can i come up with some time-tested truth that actually can solve this stuff because mm-hmm. that's what it would really be to be quote prophetic. Yeah. In terms of, um, you know, it's like, I'm so tired. Frankly, I'm tired of church services. They're not wrong, but I'm just tired of sitting. I'm a doer. And so I like, I like, you know, it's like, I'm not a, I'm not a Christian because I go to a church service. I'm a Christian because I'm a follower of Jesus and that's 24 seven. So to what realm does that not apply? And can we actually be problem solvers in our culture? You know, can, yes. I be, can I be the guy like, like I'm flying to go meet some dude I've never met before because he's like utterly frustrated and he wants to solve the problems of this nation. And That's I'm right. on a short right. list that he kind of said, you know what, get that I, guy here. And I'm going yeah. like, how did you get my name? What the heck? Who said what? And is it any of it true? And so I have no idea what I'm about to go into. But it's, it's sort of the fun little Holy Spirit journey because when I kind of went, who is this guy? What's he want? And I'm busy. And then the Lord kind of says, excuse me, this is me. And I was like, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so I said, yes. My and best. so I, I, I found it, you know, it's like, oh, sorry, sir. I, I was just being my natural, unspiritual self and just reacting. So excuse me. And um so I'm, go- I'm going on a the Holy Spirit wild goose chase to go like, okay, I'm really super busy. I got other deadlines, got all this people want these things left, right, and center. I'm like, well, guess what? I'm on assignment. The king said, this is me. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I I really enjoy living my day. Like my daughter, I was, I was up the other night praying for my daughter. She's about to kind of go take a short-term mission trip with people someplace. And so we were talking and she said, dad, what are you doing? And I told her this crazy. She says, oh, that sounds like you. So you ask, what is my day like? It's, yeah. it's like I get up, I had a plan. It's usually revised through prayer. And I realize, oh, my plan kind of sucketh and yours is better. <laughs> I'll, I'll do, you know, I'll do, I'll do your plan. And, and then I, and then I, we, we go to the fruit check to find out whether I was correct or whether I was wrong. And, and some days my batting average is bad and other days, it looks like it was brilliant because I actually heard something. So I, I don't, I don't take myself too seriously. I am the funny one in the house because I sort of figure that's a good coping skill. That's so refreshing. 
I, I, I think you were you always like this or what did you become like this later uh, under, under pressure of big old fat tires and getting run over? I think I have become um, better. So were you uptight a lot earlier in your life? You think, or did you get no. sad more often? Did you have more anxiety? No, I mean, your truth and packaging laws. I grew up in a pretty awesome Christian family until age 10. And then it all, it's like someone like pulled the pin, dropped a hanger date, and the whole thing got blown to smithereens. Mm. And that was really hard. And so it, it I, I went through the ringer at just all the wrong time of life where you just kind of like, what the heck? I thought we believed this. I thought we believed that. Why are we not mm -hmm. following this? And, and so I think working my way through that confusion, frankly, okay. has helped me realize everybody's life is messier than they're they're pretending and um there's nobody who's immune to pain you know we we, we had a a part in this little book called the shack there are three of us that that wrote that thing and it's touched the world it's kind of um what's that what's the name of it again the shack it's a uh, shack it, yeah it was a new york times bestseller that uh was uh on the bestseller list for two years running came out of nowhere. We published it out of my garage. <laughs> it, it sold 22 million copies. I think the neighborhood thought I was a drug dealer going like, <laughs> you know, Wait, you had the copies in your garage. Oh, no, we did. I, I moved all my kids into one bedroom and late at night. I mean, I, we, we were the whole shipping fulfillment thing. Um, and wow. We finally got a, a warehouse and forklifts. And was that I, before Amazon or was that? No, no, no. What year Amazon's was this? Amazon's a pirate. Amazon's a pirate. So we were, I've always been fighting Amazon. And yet we, I think we made them more money than, than they knew what to throw at. Yeah. Um, so I, I have, I have wonderfully been resourced to a place where I realized, you know, because like when I was in college, I started off uh, homeless. I lived in Zuma Tower 11. I didn't know and, that. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, so, hold on. Zuma. Zuma Tower 11. I broke into the lifeguard. Are you serious? Tower. I'm serious. I'm I serious. know exactly where that is on Zuma Beach. I, yes. <laughs> I, 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 I was going to live with someone in Trancus and then I was. I they had to go there all the time after a Pepperdine class or before a Pepperdine class. Yeah. But I, I had a bicycle and I had a big green towel and that seemed like a warm place to sleep. Was this so, when you were a student at Pepperdine or was this yes. before that? Okay. Yeah. And then I, then I worked for audiovisual and they gave me keys to everywhere. So then I, I became the Rudy of Pepperdine and I slept in the projection booth between the projectors. And, um, Is I this I, because you didn't have a room or what, what I didn't, I, I didn't have money cause they were, they did the whole bait and switch in me. I got a presidential scholarship to start and then they doubled tuition and they gave me an extra hundred dollars. He's like, you guys are terrible. Was that during Banowski? Who was president at that time? Do you remember? Uh, Davenport. Davenport? Started with White. Then it was Davenport. And um, Davenport, if you're watching this. No, no. He was awesome because oh, okay. one morning. It's not his fault. No, no. One morning I was sleeping between the projectors and he was giving a VIP tour. And I woke up to his shoes. And that was a real awkward moment. I mean, it was, it was hilarious, but it was an awkward moment going like, Oh, was it obvious that you had been sleeping there at that time? Oh, oh yeah. I was full on in my sleeping bag. It was sort of oh, like, wow. it wasn't just, you know, a moment for out. It was sort of like, okay. oh, this is his house. And, wow. <laughs> and it's, it's not, it's not supposed to be his house. It's like, 
Well, it has been for a while and it's been working till you showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Well, okay. So this is in the theater or where's this? Yeah. Elkins. 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 Wow. And what was really cool is when the shack came out, um, we did do one of the preview showings in Elkins. So that was sort of a fun, like, oh, wow. come home and here's the big When the Shaq movie came out, did you say it made it into a movie? Yes, we, it was a book. It sold 22 million copies. That's pretty good. Went into 40 different languages. And then I got to be a producer and uh, we made the movie. It uh, was with Lionsgate. Made 100 million at the box office. That's pretty good. Wow, that's a lot. How, what was the budget? Uh, it was 29 in Canadian dollars. So I think it was like some, something around 21. And, was, it, uh, it, was it made in Canada? We did. We shot most all of it up in Canada. And uh, the only thing was, you can shoot in Canada anymore with their attitude on guns. <laughs> and masks. And it's pretty totalitarian. I'm not going back up there. We, mm, we, we have a, we have a place up at Whistler that we enjoy. And I can't get back up there. My skis are up there. It's terrible. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. Something wrong. You're so sweet. You're you're so First such a sweet suffering. man. First world suffering. I am separated from my skis. It's terrible. That's horrible. No. Um, so uh, I'm trying to write this stuff down as you're saying it. Um, what when did, when did the book come oh, out? What are you? Sorry, you I haven't read the shack. You should. Oh no, you should. I haven't read it. I have not seen the movie. Here's here's the deal. We we had Octavia Spencer, Sam Worthington, and Tim McGraw as the leads in it. And oh, oh my gosh, it was it, it honestly it was it was very awesome. Some people that loved the book actually loved the movie better. And so I have the book. I have an old copy up there somewhere. You you should. And you know I I, I got it at a garage sale i don't know what you know it, wasn't it, was, your, it was not your garage but it no, was somebody no. else's garage. i have copies of that book that has um some 200 and some signatures in it because it was passed around by people and they all signed it and then they finally mailed it back to me and i was like oh wow that's pretty amazing it is a bestseller in china though we never had a contract in there say, say china again you had me at china china <laughs> went into mandarin that's chinese cool. And wow, that's they awesome. and and then they just kind of ripped it off and sold it's the a whole spiritual book. book, right? It's about a spiritual it is. journey. It's, yeah. it's it's a work of fiction, but it is all about um, you know the, the the basic tagline is um, well here's a thumbnail. Some guy on a camping trip, his six year old daughter is abducted, which is not fun. It's like that's really terrible and. Oh, she goes missing. Yeah. I think I did start her. reading it. I started reading it a long time ago, and, and I, you get to chapter I was a little bit. I got anxiety about this. that part, and I think yeah. I put it down. Okay. Yeah. Now, some people get scared about chapter five. Okay. And Maybe and then it's sort of a mystery thriller because a note shows up in his mailbox inviting him back to the to that very place, um, and it's actually um, he meets God mm-hmm. at that very place, okay. and I won't ruin it for people because they probably yeah. don't. But I, and don't ruin it for me because I haven't. I won't, read it, so. I won't because it 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 really kind of is a wonderful missile shot over the bow of kind of organized religion dogma stuff, and it okay. really makes you think. And it's yeah, I, you know, we got we got in trouble with the Southern Baptist Convention where they discussed this for two weeks that we were heretics. And I kind of, I kind of, you know, said, "Hey, can I at least, you know, testify at our our witch trial burnings?" And <laughs> and so, 
Did, you, did you go to seminary? You did go to seminary. I did. I, I, where'd, you I, go? I, where'd you go? Fuller. And I was, one of their, I, yeah, I was one of their top auxiliary students. I was like poster child for Fuller for a while. What year did you graduate from Fuller? 1993. Okay. So they weren't totally crazy back then. No, no. They were they're still orthodox. I mean, they had just had Wimber come through and do all the signs and wonders yeah. stuff. And then yeah. the theology department spent the next five years debating what, what, what happened. <laughs> So I was there in, in the heyday of what happened. And uh, so it, it, it was awesome because it was practical and theological. I mean, I, lo- I love theology, but it's like, so I don't feel do like you never life. thought about Christian doctrine before and orthodoxy. Oh, and no, no, no. I, no, I aren't expert. I got enough. I got enough degrees behind my name to be a thermometer. It's, it's all <laughs> it's all good. OK, um, but they don't do anything for you. It's kind of like, so you got a degree. Yeah. And you get a degree. You, you got to like, be a critical thinker on your own. You got to be curious. Exactly. And yeah. anyone in the last two years probably deserves a doctorate if they have been keeping up and doing oh, their that's homework. Right. That's it, a good point. It's like the entire world has become a bunch of, you know, independent researchers. And so, I mean, it's, it's pretty <laughs> by, amazing. By necessity. Yeah. So this uh, book, the it's a spiritual book. It's about. Uh, well, it's you don't. Do spiritual want to mystery thriller. But there was some controversy, and then did you get? Oh, a, just, a, part? just a small amount. <laughs> was, uh, what, what, well, I guess you probably shouldn't say what the controversy is because I haven't no, read it, and that'd be a people, spoiler. People will find people will find their own sense. The, the The coolest thing is God is portrayed in a way that you would never have guessed. Okay, but wow, does it ever! take it out of the ether, it brings it down into the, the relational practical. To, to me, I would say it is, it is deep theology, an intensely relational practical lens. And the, and the creative vision behind that was, as you're talking to the other guys involved, the other guys, yeah, no, um, was, was this to prompt critical thinking and and no i mean here's here's the here's the wonderful cinderella story um paul young who is the originator he was challenged by his wife to write something of his crazy thoughts down for the kids and so he wrote out a whole bunch of little mini sermonette things how do you know him what what's um, he picked my partner up, Wayne Jacobson. We were um, two rogue pastors that started one of the original podcasts. When when oh, I had cool. the when Are I had the yeah no I, I I go way way back when it's like you actually had it on your I little. Remember machine. you telling me that? Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't uh, remember writing it down, so I I think I lost it. What we, was the name we of the podcast? Of the, we were one of the original podcasts out there, and what we were called? the God Journey. And it was two guys thinking outside the box of organized religion. We still love Jesus, but we were rogue pastors, which is a, a kind of a cool motif because then you can pick up all the non-believer people that kind of like, oh, I want to listen to this. And um, we actually, when we would mention something, it would chart on Amazon that we had that we had a monstrous following because it was a whole bunch of influencers that were kind of rethinking their own space. And, and we were just kind of like, guess what? We now get to tell the truth. I do not have to strike up the band. I don't have to play for the home team. I can actually be an out-of-the-box thinker because what are they going to do, throw me out again? No, they already did that. So I, I, I'm now free to tell the truth. And I didn't, realize, so. I didn't realize how fun that was because then I didn't have to prop up things, things that we struggled with, we could really be honest with, things that we knew were even more tested as true. 
And, and so we ended up with a monstrous following and Paul was just a listener. So he picked up my oh, buddy right. when, when he was uh, traveling up in the Pacific Northwest and he gave him at a copy just kind of because that's the only guy he knew that had written a book before. And, and so Paul, Paul, I gave, over, Paul gave, Paul gave Wayne a copy of his original thoughts for his kids. And oh, okay. And that was, I came like, over, that was the, that was, that was like a Genesis. rough version of the shack or something. Yeah. Okay. And I came over to tape a bunch of shows with Wayne and he's sitting at the kitchen table and he's crying. And I'm going like, I've never seen him cry before. What's what meaneth this? And, and, and so I kind of said, what's, what's up? And he said, wow, there's something in this that's just deeply touching me. I said, well, do share. And, and so he's wanting to permission. I said, give me a break. You're crying. You can't share a digital copy of something that's impacting you. I'm pretty sure you can. Mm -hmm. And so he, he gave me a copy and I saw an absolute diamond in the rough. I said, oh, this is, this would make for a great movie. That was my first thought. And I kind of said, what's this guy want to do with it? And he said, nothing. I said, well, then see if he'll give us the rights to it. Cause I, I'd, I'd love to take, there's something in here that's really working for me. I'd love to turn this into a movie. And so we flew Paul down and we uh, spent the weekend just kind of talking about what do you want to do? Is there anything here that matters that doesn't matter? You like, said, he, you, said he, you flew him down. Where was he? He was up in the Pacific Northwest in Oregon. Okay. We flew him down to us in Southern California. And at the time, we were kind of like the celebrity podcast guys. I mean, we, <laughs> we were like, oh, we're the big deal. So what, uh, what year was the podcast and what year, what year was this? I'm trying to. That was 2005. Okay. So George Bush was president. Yes. Okay. That's and, when I started talk, That's when I started teaching at Park College. Nice. That's just three quarter. We were just up the hill at Wayne's house, which overlooks Park College. Whoa. Crazy thought. That's cool. Um, I was there teaching symbolic logic. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Who knew that today would exist? God. Did. Um, and so we spent, we had how to write a screenplay out, Sid Field's little wonderful book. And so on the mirror, we decided to start mapping out what we would do with the story. And we kind of told Paul, it's like, you know, why don't you, here's what we would recommend you change about the book. And here's how we would, you know, work on the story better because it's like a bunch of little mini sermonettes. And so, but, but there's a beautiful story here. So we came up with a nice plot and all this other stuff. And, and, and we kind of gave him an assignment to go back and, and, and do that. And um, oh. our, our, our handshake deal was you do that and then we'll make a movie and then we'll figure it out. And it was just three guys, three musketeers, handshake. And he came back after a couple of months saying, I can't really move it much. It's like, I've sort of already done what I could. Would you help me? And we kind of went, mm, I don't know if this is going to turn out good or not, but sure. We'll, we'll, we'll give it a shot. And so the three of us went through four major rewrites over 16 months and had about a dozen folks reading along. And it was super cool because I could watch where they would get disinterested. And then I'd realize, Oh, we better figure it out. We better figure out what's not working there. And so by the time of the fourth draft, people were really loving the story. And I, and we kind of went, you know, we can tinker forever, but it's probably good enough to, to let it go public. And so Wayne had, you know, done a bunch of books before. So he knew the publishing world, neither Paul nor I did. And uh, we sort of shopped it around. We got turned down by 26 different publishers. It was awesome. And um they all loved it, but none of them knew what to do with it. The secular guys, it was too Jesus-y. 
And to the Christian guys, it was too edgy. And so nobody knew what to do with it. And I went, you know, this is perfect because the truth is, is they all liked it. They just don't know how to sell it. And the truth is, is our audience that we're, that we're podcasting to, they're chomping at the bit going like, can we read it? Can we read it? Because we didn't, we didn't realize we had teased them for 16 months because we were so excited about it, but we never gave. You were talking about it on your podcast? Totally. But we never gave away plot points. We were just created. You created your own distribution. We did. So when we, we decided to self-publish it and Wayne had some money, Paul borrows some money. I had an interest-free credit card. (laughs) 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 So we just did it in thirds. We did it musketeer style and we printed like 10,000 books and I got a, a public storage unit and we just put them in the public storage unit. And with our, with our listenership, we had instant 5,000 orders, which was crazy. What and was the size of your audience for your podcast at the time? Do you, what's it, your best guess? It, I, I honestly, I don't have the metrics. I know it okay, went, into dishonestly. No, it went into 135 different countries. That was the wow. reach. And a lot of people Crazy. back then would take the MP3 and they would burn it onto a disc and then make a bunch of CDs and mail them out. Oh, cool. And, and so, I mean, it was kind of crazy. We had, we had our own podcast distribution, weird, weird stuff. But Is this still accessible? Can, can people still re- listen to the po- old versions of the it, podcast? It, it is. It's called The God Journey. I'm no longer doing it. And, okay. um, and so there's somebody else that is shifted into my space. So it, it has a different flavor. Um, but the archived... Uh, the archive stuff is there. I mean, we did, we had, we had like 700 episodes. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Is there I mean, a website that you can get it at or is it on? Thegodjourney.com, but, but you'll have to go into the, the archives. Truth and packaging laws. Wayne is an absolute dear friend, but we're not exactly on the same political spectrum. And so it got a little bit challenging. And so... I love him dearly. I, it's like he has had an incredible impact on my life. And so I would say, oh, listen, but he's he's a little more he's he's a bit more on, on was that different was side. that uh, something that grew or was that there originally? Was it um, um, what the you disagreement? Know, you know, I don't know. I think I think as as we the cool thing was every single time we sat down, we didn't have something um we, we didn't, we just had a question and it was a real conversation. And what makes the episode so amazing is it's two guys really just thinking outside the box in pursuit yeah. of Jesus. And it, it's amazing. What I can concept. still get on and talk with him and they're amazing discussions. It's just, I think some of what he wanted to do in the earth and some of the stuff I was, were kind of clashing. I'm and just so amazed that you, how did you get into podcasting? Cause I don't, I don't think I even heard of it. I hadn't even heard. Well, of it. So how did you? The, the the Malibu Vineyard was kind of a big deal. It was one of the hottest growing churches in L.A. at the time. And so when all of a sudden I I kind of had to pull the pin and drop the hand grenade and go like, hey, there's something wrong here. Um, the what the head of Salem had uh, known about me and offered me Duffy's drive time for L.A which was kind of like, oh, wow. So he offered me the, the prime premier radio spot for drive time in LA. And I kind of went, I don't really want to do that as a single talking head, but there's this cool guy that has been helping me see things different. So 
we decided, you know, it's like, hey, would you be interested in, in two guys doing the show? And they kind of were, weren't, and they sort of said, well, you can buy airtime. I'm like, I don't want to buy airtime. I, it's like, I don't need to sell soap and do all that kind of stuff. And, and so we just started a podcast because the technology was there. And so and, you were a tech nerd. Where how did you? No, Wayne knew Wayne knew how to do that. And he's, okay. He kind of said, oh, he "I'm was a tech guy." Yeah, I was. In all honesty, I was a uh, production student at Pepperdine. I was a film TV guy, and so I had done a whole bunch of DJ stuff. So I knew radio, and so I knew we could do that. So taping it wasn't the problem. But at the time, I didn't really know how. You know what, what's an MP3? I I didn't. You know, it's like I listened to them, but I didn't know how to make. Them. Yeah. Um, and so Wayne would do the, the post-production editing, but we were sort of one take wonders in all honesty. We didn't really do a lot of editing and you know, he might take out an ohm or something like that. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's like, we, we just kind of had a real conversation and people just, I think because we were really asking compelling questions that everyone was wrestling with, mm-hmm. it just took off, you know? So we never advertised anything. And I think because a bunch of pastor types, would really love to have that kind of conversation if it was off the record and they didn't have to be outed. Yeah. We, we were having that conversation publicly. Being, being honest out loud. Yeah. A, a novel idea. I mean, right. it actually is amazing. Works. And I think because of that, people really started to listen in and they would just spread it far and wide. So we had a word of mouth phenomenon before we even had a book that became a word of mouth phenomenon before we had a movie that became. So you had your audience ready for this. If it it was a marketing ploy, we were geniuses, (laughs) but it wasn't, it was like, we, we reverse engineered going, Oh, I think this is what made that work, but it's not like we did it with intelligence. Do, so you, are you still friends with Wayne or are you? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I love him dearly. Cool. We just, you know, I, I hope disagreements. We, gotcha. Put it this way. If he hears this, he already knows this and he knows that it just became, it, was, it just became a struggle. And yeah. I think the, the cool thing is because we didn't have a thing to argue about there wasn't a sense of like, Oh, we got to wrestle this or this is mine. This is yours. It's kind of like, you know what? Let's just free each other to do what's in your heart. And let's maintain a love for the relationship because to this day, I don't think I have a more important person in my life that has shaped the way I understand and pursue God. That's a pretty high compliment. It is because he, he, he taught me how to deeply enjoy theology but to always do it through a relational lens as to how does this work with God and how does this work with people? Mm-hmm. And you'd think you'd learn that at seminary, but you don't. And so it was great processing for me. And I just, I love bringing hard questions and talking it through with another brother that was having an honest pursuit and why he takes them to some different conclusions. I, it's a head scratcher for me. I just go, I don't get that. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that there's no there's no loss of love and, and, and there's not an agenda to try to make me be different. Yeah. And I, I went, wow, that's actually genuine love. Because I know I know I've had just as much of an impact on his life. It's not like he doesn't love me. We both really love the friendship, but we didn't need to have the sandpaper sessions. <laughs> 
So what yeah. about this original guy, Paul? Did you say his name was? Well, that's a different story. Are you still friends with him? <laughs> no, we, we, we went through all kinds. Success is not the easiest pass to test, the test to pass. Mm. Success is actually the harder. Everyone can fail. But success, not a lot of people make it through that. So, okay. uh, again, truth and packaging laws. We ended up, I think his business manager wanted a bigger piece of an already incredibly large pie and that we just sort of did it musketeer style and they decided to sue us. And I sat there going like, you've got to be kidding. You you don't even want to have a conversation first. You're just going to send a lawsuit and your son lives in my house. Really? Like I'm doing something nefarious with your son living in my house. That doesn't make any sense. That was really brutally painful. I just kind of were friends, but obviously friends, friends, right? Okay. Deep friends. I would still love to be friends to this day, but the truth is, is the relationship's broken. And that's a really sad commentary on the fact that we wrote about something pretty precious. And then I kind of went, you, you mean we can't live this? That's, that's the bigger bummer. Did you guys have some kind of agreement that you wrote down? Uh, when you we did, it. but I mean, honestly, it was sort of like a cannibalized <laughs> sort of three guys of, of you know, here's our thoughts, and it didn't have a glossary of terms. So, some lawyer sure. person, yeah, without a glossary of terms, That's what lawyers do, oh gosh, that's all I, they do. I, I think they ought to be lined up and shot. Yeah, you know, that's 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 my little sort of Republican side. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you the know, lawyers. Uh, yeah, the lawyers. That's I. It, 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 it bothers was just, me. It, it perverted a whole bunch of really important stuff, and I'm going like, what? So, so what, what? What? Going back to when you first met him, did you? Did you like him? Yes, because he had some really interesting thoughts that I kind of went, "Wow, he's at least courageous to kind of push awesome. the edges a little bit." There were things in the book that that we frankly, um, we we couldn't agree with is and it's like he was he was promoting universal reconciliation where it's like everyone just goes to heaven i'm going like i'm sorry there's some red letters that i can't follow you on and it's like that's not up for debate it's like that's that'd be nice if it's just not true to the text so yeah i i can't follow you to that conclusion i don't mind that you ask the question i just just with your conclusion so yes we can frame this in a way that people can wrestle with the question i'm totally down with that mm-hmm. but i'm not going to put that conclusion in the mouth of god because i think it's error and it's not minor error it's like Maybe. really bad error did he and go along with that then did he agree he with that? he did okay that we thought and then I think, you know, the reality is, is I think because we were the little more celebrity guys at the time, he was just enamored that we're doing this. And so I think he outwardly agreed, but inwardly, he still held the same things. And I, I learned this the hard way. Is he a people pleaser? Yeah. Somebody that's convinced. Got to be careful with people pleasers. Is against it still. And, and, and it's sort of, sort of like, so to me, I'm going like, no, 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 no. Don't do this by coercion. That, that never works. Don't yeah. do this because someone has more influence than you. That never works. You know, the only way it's going to work is if there's full board honesty and it's yes. totally fine if you disagree. But yeah, let's be right. honest about that. That's right. And, and I can walk a thousand miles with anybody if they will have the courage yes. to be honest 
if you're a people pleaser, it's hard because you're always trying to people, you know, manage smiles and yeah. Um, and but it, it, it's yeah. hard and, to say, no, I'm actually disappointed by this part yeah. right here. And, and and don't work in Hollywood. OK, <laughs> OK, because let's just be honest about that. Oh, okay. Well, hold on. Let me cancel the rest of my day. Days, Let me but, cancel the rest of my appointments. Yeah. Hold on no, that's just it's kind of like it's like, wow, what a bunch of non pioneers. I'm sorry. Brad, I, I have these showing. I have these lingering questions. Sorry, they're totally random, but oh, fine. I, I have the like. Okay, so you were sleeping in Elkins, which is in Pepperdine, and yeah. where were you? Where were you taking a shower? <laughs> the field house. I would okay. go down and I, uh, down to the field house. That's a shower. I jump in the pool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to say that's what you should do if back then. Which is what I would have. Yeah, it was all good. And then, and, and because I set up all the sound systems, I had keys to everywhere, so I could leave things where I needed them hey. conveniently. So it was all good. I, I slept in offices before on Moorpark College. You guilty? I yeah, had, we I all have some a similar keys. experience. I, <laughs> dude, I was able to eat out in Malibu all week for twenty bucks because I knew where the appetizers were free. I knew where the specials were. I knew they had Burger Madness down at the at the little place across from Jack in the Box. I mean, it's like it was <laughs> awesome. Okay, that Jack in the Box is still there. Yeah, tacos, ninety nine cents. Oh, you, you gotta love, love these tacos. <laughs> did, you, awesome. uh, did you ever know a guy that would worked at the Jack? This is probably way before, way way after actually. But what, there was a guy when I taught there for a decade. It was the guy named Skeletor. That's not his name, but the students all called him Skeletor. And they said, you got to check out Skeletor if you go through the drive-thru at Jack in the Box. Yes. No, I have, I have, I, 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 I've seen him. I, 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 you probably know who I'm talking about because you're a night owl. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. But I guess he's like, he is like all over it. I mean, he is just like, he, he is the, the type A, get it done, Jack in the Box guy. I think he runs the whole thing by himself. And um, there's, there's an androgynous person that works at, um, at at McDonald's that we still to this day can't figure out whether it's a guy or a girl. I love all the celebrities oh, that go to McDonald's oh. and, they're, and they think no one's going to recognize them and they're all yeah, like yeah. hiding. And it's like, well, maybe you shouldn't have pulled I, up in that Maserati because I can pretty much to, tell. To packaging, I, I have stopped fast fooding. Yeah. I, I, I just don't because I kind of went, you know what? Thy food is thy medicine. That's not medicine. Yeah. <laughs> the other question I, I had like was you, you had uh you you had this audio visual major, right? Was that right? Yeah, I was a TV broadcasting guy. And then how did you get the idea to go to seminary? Was that I, something that grew I, in no, no, Pepperdine I, or I graduated at the time of the writer's strike? So here I know everybody because the way I paid my way through um, yes. And, and I wait, the way I paid my way through Pepperdine is I taught tennis. I was a really good tennis guy. And so That's I knew everybody in Malibu and it was pretty <laughs> awesome. And, and, and they, they tip you nice. It's great. So I was able to pay for Pepperdine by just teaching tennis. Wow. It, was, it was great. And, um, wow. so wow. I, I then am a TV film guy and I was actually very, very good. Um, won some awards and, and, and was very, very competent, very creative at it. But then the writer's strike went on. And so I couldn't even serve coffee to anybody. And you're just going like, wow, did I miss God or what? Wow. And 
because I had a whole bunch of debt from Pepperdine because it wasn't cheap. They had given me nice, you know, Parsons loans, which is like, you know, putting on a credit card. So they, it, <laughs> so when, when I graduated, it's like, oh no, I have a Porsche payment now. And um, I taught tennis with one of the heads of AT&T and he kind of said, hey, why don't you come work for us? And it's like, well, what do you do? And at the time they were, you know, everyone knew them as the phone company. He said, we're not the phone company. We're in the business of information movement management. I'm like, you're the phone company. And, um, <laughs> and but I, I then learned they were building the internet and humbling great people, even at that age. Just, you know, truth. And, 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 but the cool thing is I got hired as a little hotshot and I was the only one without an MBA. And, and so we had all the big national accounts. My first two, first two big clients were MCI and Sprint because I set them up with our, with our network. And so they, and so I was already playing at a big level and I ended up as the number one salesman for AT&T. And and it was, it was amazing. And and I was able within a year to pay off all of my debt because they forced me on commission. And I was terrified. I'm going like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't put me on commission. It's like, just give me a solid paycheck. I don't want to do this risky thing. But then they didn't give me a choice. So they just pushed me on a commission. It was the best thing that happened to me because it, you know, freaked me out so bad. I just worked my butt off. And, um, and so that's just, that started going, but then they realized they did all this testing on us. And, um, after like two, three months of testing over in, or in, in Colorado, they said, you know what? You should be a, a social worker. And <laughs> that went, well, that's not exactly the career path of AT&T. Um, so I invented Dress Down Fridays and we started gang counseling in um, Southern California. We, we went to the that's LA awesome. Unified School District and we said, give us your 20 worst kids. That, that you don't know what to what to do about. Give us your 20 worst kids. We'll meet with them after school on Friday. Let us meet on campus. And we're going to talk to them about Jesus. Deal? Well, let, me, let me pause this for one moment. He's back. So you, yeah. I cheated and got a donut hole. Um, that's, all, that's all good. No, I, it, it, it's weird. When they said you should be a social worker, I kind of went, okay, here's the deal. I'm your top salesman. I don't find this like fulfilling, but if you'll give me Friday afternoons off off, and we don't have to wear suits and I can come in jeans, we dress down Fridays. Um, give me Friday afternoons off. I'm going to go do this gang counseling thing. That'll work. And so we took the 20 worst students of LA and the gangbanger kids and we met with them and they allowed us to talk about Jesus. That was, that was amazing. I, I, I learned so much about what is really true mm-hmm. as opposed to what's religious and who people really are. And man, did I fall in love with these kids because you just sat there going like one of the first times that we asked them something, it's like, Hey, if you could have anything in the world, just anything, you know, a billion dollars, whatever. It's like, what would you do? First kid, I just don't want to be shot. Second kid. I don't want to be shot. You just go like, we went down the road and they're talking about, they just don't want to be killed. Yeah. Right. Right. There wasn't a single one of them that had a dream on the inside that Mm -hmm. gave them life. They were just trying to escape death. 
the gun control people are going to be watching this and saying, see, we need to have gun control because of that. Nah, they did do it. When I, when I came to pick up, they had this one kid who was half black, half, half Mexican. And this is not racist. It was his name. Everyone called him nigger. And I said, I'm not calling you nigger. He said, that's my name. And I said, I'm still not calling you nigger. He said, well, I'm going to call you Brad. Why don't you call me my name? I don't have a problem with it. And I'm going like, I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it just doesn't seem right to be calling you that. Okay. So, but, but they, that's, that's, and, and he had an ankle monitor. So he, he had limited places he could go and do. I, I came to his house one time and he comes running out the front door going like this. Hmm. And then when I get there, I, I'm going like, wow, it's an interesting way to say hi. You know, <laughs> and they didn't understand what that was. He looked at me and said, what are you doing here? I said, well, you didn't come to the meeting and I knew where you lived. So I figured I'd come check on you. He said, you just about got shot. I went, I did. That's serious. I looked around like, who was going to kill me? And I said, is that what this meant? And it's like, yeah. He said, don't ever come here. Just going like, I'm sorry. I thought this was America, and I'm, I, I'm just. That was my genesis of going like, what the heck is going on? Where are people? Why is our culture the way it is? How how far have we fallen from? So you're working in corporate America, and you you developed a heart for gang kids. Gang kids. How how did that? start how did you you went to um, you were in malibu and some guy, at, some guy at the, the church in, in malibu kind of said hey um anyone here want to help us with uh um you know gang counseling kids and um he was from project serve and when i was in high school i went on a mission trip down to haiti to you know project serve so i spent mm -hmm. the summer down as before i went to pepperdine went down to haiti poorest place on the planet everyone's starving to death and then yes. i go to Pepperdine, and everyone's throwing their food in the trash i'm going like oh this is not oh good. yeah so that was so when he said project serve everything perked up in me i went oh this could be interesting and you know did i know anything about gang counseling no you know but i just knew that at&t had just told me i should be doing social work so i went two and two together so you know here we are <laughs> might, just might be god you know, um, and you feel I like really, it was God. Yeah, because my gosh, we 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 took the kids and we brought them to where I lived. And, you know, when Kelly and I first got married, we lived in Woodland Hills and we ended up finding this great place in Warner Villas. I didn't know it was a Jewish retirement center. We we're the only people that didn't have it to fill them on the door. <laughs> okay. I taught at Port Pierce College for several years. So here we are in, in, in Jewish retirement center, and I'm bringing a whole bunch of you know, Mexican gang kids to the pool. And it freaked everybody out. And none of these kids had bathing shorts. They didn't. They just, and so I have all these like surf jams because I'm a Malibu guy. And they had never worn colored bathing suits. And it was crazy because they just kind of looked at each other like they dressed in a, count, a clown outfit. <laughs> but we gave them permission to become kids. And so what, we're what having a, a, a blast in the swimming pool 
and they had never, I mean, you know, some of them didn't know how to swim. So it's like, we had to play lifeguard too. And it, it just, so it was, it was, it was amazing to just kind of go like, you know what, let's find out what it is to be human. And let's, let's, let's lose the labels. Let's lose the, 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 the shorthand ways that we segregate people. And let's find out what, what is the essence of being human and caring for one another. And man, did I ever, I, I loved it because I knew we had saved a bunch of kids from a life of just getting shot. And um, a number of them, I mean, a couple of them, you know, in the course of the year or two doing it, a couple of them died because they did get shot. And a bunch of others gave their life to Jesus and I think have a whole different trajectory in the world. But that kind of told me, you know, there's, there's more out there. So then when that same guy said, hey, you want to help us take a team to Uganda? Um, my wife kind of said, oh, we should go. And so we did. And um, I asked for a leave of absence so that we could go to Uganda. And they ended up saying, because I had done so well, my boss got promoted to New Jersey headquarters. And then the new guy came in and he said, hey, uh, I'm not letting my number one star performer leave. So your leave of absence is canceled. And uh, you, you know, because my numbers will go in the tank and they'll think I'm the, I'm the reason that it, it failed. So I, I'm not going to do that. And so they said, so um, if you are going to continue with this, then you're fired. And I kind of went, you can't do that to me. I already have a, an agreement. They said I can go. And he was just kind of calling my bluff. And I kind of said, well, then fine, I quit. And so I, I, I walked away from my nice six figure salary and we went to Uganda. Great business decision on his part. I mean, you know, all or nothing. I, I totally understood why he did it. I didn't blame him, but I'm just going like, you know, gave him the tall man and said, I'm out of here. Good for you. Did the six figures include the dot and the two zeros after that? No, nope. it, it, uh, it, it was, it was, it was nice money. It was, it was pretty crazy. What was, okay. what was, what was fun is we did that. Our parents all thought we were nuts. And so, you know, it's like, how could you do this? And I'm like, well, it's your daughter's fault. She wants to go. And I bet you they, I bet you they kept denim day. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. That's still there. We had to work through some challenging. Yeah. Um, So you you got fired and then you're going to go uh, to seminary. Fire me. So I, 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 I did it to them first. And so, okay. But just here's the deal. I had Uganda. Yeah, we did. And we had a wonderful time. Uh, I mean, real transformative um, summer. It was Kelly and I were young. We were newly married. And it's like, if you're going to do this, you better do it now. Yeah. And, you know, life's going to be easier to, to oh, do yeah. now. And it was absolutely transformative. I went over to an orphanage to find out who the orphan was. Mm. Oh, that's a horrible uh, the, point, right? There. The, these little kids knew who their father was. And I watched and I kind of went, wow, I somehow want to reconnect with God at that level because they know something I don't. And I had met Mr. Felt, but this was sort of my journey back to Mr. Field. And um it was it was great. So uh, Mr. Felt, you mean that the, the the, six, the six, little six year old character, little six year old guy that winked at me, um, 
I went through a real kind of spiritual desert, like Pepperdine, you know, forgive me, is Church of Christ. And I went, aren't they all? I had no idea. Actually a validated believer. And I kind of went, well, that's pretty pharisaical. So that didn't really make us yeah. too friendly, um, you know, doctrinally. Right. Um, so they spent four years trying to save me. And I, I spent four years giving them the tall man saying I'm already saved. <laughs> Um, so that was our wonderful theological clash of, of, uh, college, but I, I realized the, I the chapel there at Pepperdine. I did a lot oh, of praying in that chapel. Oh, so did I, man. It, um, and, and so when we went to Uganda, one of the last things I did was, um, at AT&T is I put in the first switch 56 video teleconferencing link between LA and, um, Japan. And that thing netted me a big old commission check. So when we came back after the summer and I put my little versatile card back in, all of a sudden there was a bank balance and it was like, oh, wow. And that's how I uh, was able to go to Fuller. Oh, cool. So and now, I told God I'm not doing this debt thing anymore. So if you want me to do that, you're going to have to provide. <laughs> and he did. That's interesting that you say that because later on you got the credit card out for your garage and the copies. I of did. I, I at one point I had twelve credit cards in play as, as as the shack is snowballing because the print runs started getting just more and more and we didn't have an exit strategy. We we're having to take all the profits. And did you revise your feelings about debt at that time? Or I had that? no choice. I didn't. I didn't know how to take outside capital because it was so expensive, mm. and they had invented these wonderful things called interest-free credit cards and I, <laughs> I just let them spawn like rabbits and i kind of went well i got a year to pay it off so we'll just put this into play but oh, then my father-in-law sat across the the table and at one point he did look at me like do you realize how overextended you are if this doesn't turn out well i went yes sir i really do no because i understand it's called the shack it's gonna well, it's gonna, well, no, it's gonna I mean, be great Again, success is not the easiest thing to pass. And, and so, so you were confident it was going to be okay. It was going to well, turn out all right. No, I wasn't confident. You were confident. That, okay. That 10,000 books became 20,000, became 50,000, became 100,000. And those are like pretty costly to print. And so I'm having to come up with 250 grand to do the next print run. And you're just going like, you know, publishing is not a, yeah. it's not a, it's not a business of dollars. It's a business of dimes and nickels and units because, you know, the way they demand ridiculous discounts on the actual price that they sell it for, the people that are the end point of sale make more money than the people that created it. That's not right. And so I would book those trends and I would, you know, because I didn't know how it was supposed to do. I would argue with the heads of, you know, big, huge distribution places going like, we're not doing that. And I, because we we're, we're snowballing into success, I got to rewrite a lot of the financial rules of how this was done because I just kind of didn't know enough to know how arrogant and, you know, opinionated I was that that's not right. And so we actually did pretty good. And so, well, that's, I stumbled into success. I didn't find my way there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm I, okay. So I'm, I'm, my thought is anxiety, you know, like you had this feeling about debt 
And now it's like, okay, now I got the credit cards out. And then you got your father-in-law out there saying, oh, yeah, no, no. Uh, I, look, I Danielson, you know, you, you, um, you know what, you know, what's different though, is when you have the sense of God's presence mm-hmm. and you actually know he's a person and it's not, I'm theorizing about him. I'm not, I'm not doing a principal thing. I mean, at one point I was, I was staring at the refrigerator and I was looking to see what am I hungry for? And I hear this mm-hmm. voice behind me says, what you're hungry for isn't in there. And it's like, I know <laughs> it was my, my response. Like, and the Lord said, I know what you're hungry for. And I went, what? And he said, righteousness. I went, nah. <laughs> you sure you talk about me? I don't know. Yeah, and they, do you even know me? Do, we, do you even know me? That's not in there. If you said ice cream, I would have said yes. But but righteousness, nah. And and I sat there going like, and, and the Lord said, if you knew what it was, you'd you'd be hungry for it. And I went, oh, that's, that's a really a deep. That's deep. That's a great. It's like, what is it mm-hmm. then? Because it's not a word that I kind of went, oh, yeah, that's what I want. And he said, do you want to stand right in front of me? And it's like, oh, yeah, I do. So it has something to do with proximity. And then he said, do you want to stand right before me? As if in, in sort of a, a good moral posture. And it's like, oh, yeah, I do. He said, well, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I can grant you. I went, oh, well, then let's do that. And, and that was sort of the entrance point into what am I really hungry about? And because nobody shut that down, nobody said you can't hear from him or he doesn't speak. I got a life of those kind of encounters with him where it's kind of like, I know that's not me because I'm not that intelligent and I'm not that pithy. That's, that, that's just kind of a clear, it's like, I would never have said that to me. I didn't know that before you said it. And I didn't go like, oh, wow, I just had a brilliant thought. It's like, no, I just heard something. Are you and, talking about an audible voice or a, a, a profound An, an, an internal one. But, mm-hmm. but I would say this, I have that's heard, cool. you, can, you can put me in a white suit in a rubber room. I have heard an outside voice too. There's times that I'll turn around going like, what? And you're thinking that you're expecting to see someone and then there's nobody there. And you're just going like, okay, wow. I don't think that's exceptional Christianity. I think that's supposed to be normal. If I read the Bible, God had a conversation with all those guys. And I'm saying, so you don't believe that that stopped in AD 38, whenever he met. He didn't stop relating to people. We, we might have canonized a lot of what was written down, but we kicked a whole bunch of other stuff out that I don't quite understand. And I'm a Bible publisher. I mean, you know, again, a heretic maybe, but, but I'm, I, I'm an official heretic. Um, the Bible that's, talks about the I, I book. looked at the table of contents. That's the real yeah, Bible. That you that's in there. There's, there's a book called Jasher that's referenced in the Bible that I actually have a copy of the book of Jasher. And I'm going like, there's a lot of really good information in that. Why did you guys, why did this one not make the cut? Because you ever wonder where Noah went and where Shem went and why we just jumped from the flood to Abram? Well, the book of Jasher will fill in all the missing pieces and it's incredible. It's interesting. 
But at the same time, I've read through the book of Jasher and you, you learn in the book of Jasher why they nuked Sodom and Gomorrah. You, you, you learn exactly what they were doing. That's so dastardly and terrible. That's worth, you know, God throwing fireballs from heaven down on them. And they had become strengthened and aging. They were sacrificing children and doing adrenochrome crap. And, and it was all back then. And you're just like, oh, that's really sick. That's really terrible. And it's like, that's why God had an issue. And he said, off the face of the earth, I will wipe you. And he did. And it's like, wow, it'd be nice to know that. You, you learn where Abraham comes from and why he's referred to as a friend of God. And I'm like, that would be like really good, helpful information. And so I end up just going like, why did we kick that out? And yet there's other parts of the book of Jasher that you go like, that doesn't sound as powerful as the stuff I'm more familiar with. And is it because I'm more familiar with this other stuff that this feels different? Right, right, right. Or is it because it is different? And it's not at this level. And so I don't have an argument. You about, have to work through that. Well, but because the reality is I'm sitting there going like, I think the Bible itself says test everything yes. and hold fast to that, which is good. Yeah. And, and so I'm going like, well, t- then just test it. And if it, and, and yes. if you don't know what to do with it, well, then set it aside. I don't, I, I don't, I don't need to be the arbiter of oh, all truth. Cause I don't have all truth. I don't know. Right. I only have a subjective witness on the inside called the Holy Spirit that says, hey, swing at that one. Or, no, no, let that one go by. You know? So that didn't make it into the Jewish canon. Um, this is obviously Jewish work, right? You're saying? Yeah. Okay. I haven't heard of it, so I, I yeah. have to look into but, it. But you got the book of Enoch. You got, I mean, I've come up with my other Bible, with my Bible partner. We've gone through the books of the Bible, and we've listed out all the different books that the bible says are books that we don't have where's jack where's jasher mentioned in the bible it's in i think second kings and there's also i think somewhere in deuteronomy okay for, and for, is it, how's it spelled? forgive me if i don't have those references exactly the correct address so i might get the zip code wrong <laughs> That's but right. no but, problem but don't worry about it in, in running through all this stuff you're going like wow there's there's the there's a letter to the church of laodicea oh yeah yeah that you like we don't have that one why no. do we not is that in someone's attic what what is that did i get burned <laughs> up? did i get thrown in the trash because it'd be nice to have that yeah, one yeah it would be nice and and so i yeah, just like right. wow and 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 first john says that if we had record of everything that jesus said and did it's like we, it would just be ridiculous. And so you're yep. just going, oh, so what we what we have is not the Partial. like versions. We yeah. have an edited down summary of important things put together for a real concerted reason that I end up going like, okay, so why did they include those details in this gospel? And why did they include those details, different ones in another gospel? And who were they writing to? So I just end up going like, again, Hold fast everything, you know, test everything and hold fast to that which is good. When when Paul in 1 Corinthians says, hey, what I'm about to tell you, I don't have as a command from the Lord, but I'll give you my opinion. That very next verse is Paul's opinion. It is not the words of God. Well, that'll get you thrown out of seminary. Okay. <laughs> Did you try that one out at Fulham? <laughs> I found that one out and I kind of said, hey, guys, the thought here. 
and, and they, they didn't like it in hermeneutics class. And, oh, wait, and so, well, I, I just realized we didn't. Uh, so you're at AT&T, gang, Uganda. And then and we then go to Uganda check, and then on the way back, and then I got a paycheck and I, I had really gotten excited about uh, getting to know this college pastor guy that we were with while we we're at Pepperdine and he was teaching us how to pray for the sick. And I'm like, we never did that. You mean God actually does stuff? And um, that was kind of fun in the Presbyterian church. I went, wait a minute, that's that. They don't do that there. And, but these guys did and they made it so normal. And the Holy Spirit actually showed up and did stuff that we kind of went, oh, wow. It's like the Bible works and this is super cool. <laughs> and so I kind of went, well, where'd you go and to learn out that? And he said, oh, I went to, I went to Fuller. I went, oh, I want to go too. And he says, don't go to Fuller. It's like, it's, it's a, don't go to seminary. That, that God doesn't need you to get another degree. And I'm going like, why are you telling me this? Oh, man with a degree. And, and so that was just an interesting conversation. They tried to dissuade me from going. And, and yet I'm going like, but I want to learn. And um, the cool thing was I knew that the group that had taught him how to do some of that stuff was still there. That was, that was the vineyard guys. And, um, and so I kind of went, well, I'm going to go. And, and now I have the means to go. And it felt like God opened that door. Would you do and, that again? Would you do it again if you could go back? The experience I had at seminary was off the hook amazing and mine too it was very curtis as well we met in seminary okay it was very practical and i took more classes from the school of world mission guys because they actually were out in the field doing stuff as opposed to the ivory tower guys in the school of theology that just wrote about stuff and um i learned how to cast out demons and got very good at that and we did that for a lot of people who are christians and just go like, wow, that was really kind of argued and debated and all that other stuff. And I'm like, why would you ever cast them out of a non-Christian? They're just going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying, you know, and, um, and I figured, how, how does one get good at ca- casting out demons? What's the, is there a formula over, or you get over the fear of it and you learn more about the truth of what, what actually gets people free and you help people repent of sin and, and you help them get past their unforgiveness, which is the biggest flipping door to, to just infestation. And you believe demons are real? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So are you saying that when you read the Bible, it's actually, you read the Gospels, yeah. you're saying yeah. that Jesus I, believed yeah. that demons yeah. were real? Full, full on. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they, and they didn't just disappear for 2,000 no, years? No. And they weren't just psychologically removed. Nope. Nope, it's yeah. not a syndrome. And maybe it this can help syndrome, explain why certain areas are under tremendous darkness and evil for sustained periods of time. Yes, and it's not just mental illness. As as we we just we want to just erase mental illness. It's like, wait a minute. I think there's uh, actual supernatural entities, and we're we've been dropped behind enemy lines, and we actually are engaged in a real war, and we're supposed to wear our armor, and nobody knows what that is. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Brad, what years were you at Fuller? I was there from 1990 to 1993. Okay. Okay. Did you do an MDiv? I did. <laughs> and you wanted to be a pastor? So you're learning how to get rid of demons and you're thinking, I want no, to be a we pastor. Actually, get... Put it this way. We had actually started planting a church and I was getting credentialed while I was doing that. 
which was what made it incredibly practical because it's like, I have to, this has to work in people's lives or what are you talking about? And so it was a great rubric to kind of go through class with and just like, stop pontificating, translate this into how does this matter in someone's life? You know, I, I, if you're, if you're only going to do the ivory tower thing, go up there and lock the door. Don't come back. And, 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 but, but if you're going to do, do something that matters, help me translate that into how does this work in people's lives? And, 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 yeah. and so when we, when we planted, I first planted a church in Marina del Rey, and then we planted one that was sort of in the Venice area. And then we planted one in Santa Monica. And then we ended up planting one in Malibu. And all of them had a lot of people get saved. And that was pretty, pretty cool. You know, awesome. and, and so you're just kind of like, wow, I think the truth works. And are, are those churches still there? Yeah. What are they called? They're all vineyards. There's oh, the Vineyard wow. of Venice. There's Santa Monica uh, Vineyard. And then there's uh, the Malibu Vineyard that no longer exists because I blew it up. Oh, you blew it up. I I had to I had to I had to blow the whistle on a bunch of embezzlement. It's like success undid it. Okay. And that was that was really tough. You know, you spent half your life building something that really matters and then mm. it kind of goes foul. It's like oof. Mm. So there's one thing I really hate, and that's Gollum. And I find him in a lot of people. And he this uh, everyone's trying to clutch onto my precious and you just go like not such a good thing. So I'm a golem killer. <laughs> I think you just gave us the title of the episode there. Golem killer. There you go. Golem killer. <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. Yeah. I'm a golem killer. That's yeah. interesting. So, did you read those books? Did you read the Lord of the Rings? Uh, books? I did. I got to tell you, as, as, as weird as this is, God has used that as a pretty profound motif for me as a way of kind of helping me understand the situations I'm dealing with. Mm. And it's been pretty precious because when it all kind of gets dark and I'm not sure what to do, he's given me the little light of Arundel. There's a reason for hope even then. And, and so um, he just made a lot of that stuff in a personal way, um, really meaningful as though that's a way that he speaks to me through crazy film characters and stuff like that. It seems like you have a very personal relationship with God that would strike a lot of people as odd or yes, or outside of their experience, I guess. It's not really when you read the Bible, it fits that. I mean, yeah. but I think a lot of people assume, well, that was then. And I'm talking about believers, non-believers think the Bible is just a bunch of fairy tales anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's a little bit of historical truth if it agrees with the Democratic Party or if it agrees with whatever their prejudice is at that time or that second. But, um, you know, um, but, you know, it seems like um, you've always had this personal awareness of the spiritual realm and God's work in your life and well, evil. Yeah. I, I, I think when you start off with someone who's winking at you, 
and I'm not converted. I mean, I didn't have a deep, dark past to repent of. It, it God, God revealed himself as a person that could be known and enjoyed. I led probably 200 little kids to Christ in the next season of time because as a little kid, you just kind of you introduce your friends to your friends. And so I would introduce my friends to some of them could see him, some of them couldn't. But I introduced him to someone that for me was very real. In spite of the difficulty of life, and there was a period of time where he just kind of went invisible and silent for 13 years. And I'm going like, that was not cool. I felt really abandoned and that was really painful. And I didn't understand it, but I couldn't deny what I knew. So it was you call a, that the dark night of the soul. Do you call it that? Yeah, it's just it was 13 years, not just a night. You just go like this suck it. Oh, yeah, and, it's never a night. It's always longer than a night. Yeah. And it's and it's kind of like, wow, God, that was tough. I I I stayed 13 years. 13 years. He just went silent, never heard from him. And I kind of went, What did I do that you made you did that? And that's when my whole family was shred. My, my parents divorced. My dad nearly died. My brother was a cocaine addict. I mean, the cocaine dealer. And so you're just like, okay, that's a messed up thing. And I, I'm sitting here like, hey, wait a minute. Aren't we the guys that love Jesus? And aren't we going to follow this? And aren't we going to live this out? And you're just going like, dang. Um, my family has since, you know, been repaired. But it's not as if it wasn't greatly damaged. And thankfully, I didn't get shipwrecked. And he did show back up, you know, it's kind of as I was graduating from college, he showed back up in a really dramatic way where I'm going like, where have you been? And what was really cool is he, he didn't just directly answer that, but he showed, he showed me why my sight and my hearing degenerated. And it was like, oh, wow. And so I don't blame him. I just, I didn't understand. But now that he's back and he's restoring some of my sight and restoring some of my spiritual hearing, I don't have confidence in my capacity to hear. I have my confidence is in his willingness to speak. And, and, you know, I learned this somewhere from somebody that knew more about God than I did. They said the word in Hebrew to hear and to obey are the same word. I find that really profound, really interesting, because it's like, if you don't have a heart to obey, I don't know that God's going to speak out of mercy, not out of judgment, out of mercy, because to whom much is given, much is required. And I don't really know how to do this Christian thing if it doesn't end up having a relationship. I think it's a religious thing. And at one point, the Lord kind of said, you can't do this life on principles, this life is built on intimacy. And I went, oh, wow, that's Good. those are like super different. Yeah, because I can do principles without him, but you can't do intimacy without. Him. And if you want intimacy, you have to have vulnerability. And if you've been hurt in life, you don't like being vulnerable. Vulnerable means to be able to be wounded. Well, who wants that? You know, I, I didn't. Yeah. And so I, I developed a rhino hide that was not helpful to my spiritual condition. And I had to learn how to slice that off and get back to that transparent veil of intimacy that just says, you know, into me see. It's like you can into me see. I'm the one that controls that. Yeah. And 
you're, those, you're, are not just, those are not just plays on words. Those are really profound things that demand courage. I don't think this Christian life is easy. I think it's flat out impossible. And, and, but it is very much possible with him if you'll be willing to live in dependence. That's right. And I don't, I don't believe we're very good at being able to trust because I think all of us have been super wounded, betrayed, all this other stuff. And so I don't know how to just, I trust you. It's, it's like, you don't trust a stranger. And yeah. so you only trust someone that you know, and you only trust them to the degree that you're confident they love you. Right. And, and so the reality is, is I think God has won me to a place of trust where I don't white knuckle life as much as I used to anymore, because it's not like there's things that aren't triggers for anxiety. It's just, I know he loves me and I know he's with me and I know I can't do this thing without him. I've, I've done that. And I find that not very satisfying at all and not very successful. And so I'm aware of my need for him. And I, I totally embrace that going like, I don't want to do this without you. What's the basis of your trust in the Bible? Because I notice you're, you're talking like this and, and you talk, it's, some of it sounds like some of these goofy people I met in Monterey when I was there living and, and studying and just, you know, kind of like the central coast mentality, but they're not really Christians. Mm-hmm. So, but you, you obviously have this attachment to the word of God and this Indeed. love for America. Indeed. So that's what makes you so unique. That's what makes yeah. Brad, Brad. And yeah. you have to experience Brad to know what I, I'm talking about. I'm a category of my own. And yeah, I, don't, yeah, yeah. I, I really, I, I really do recognize I, you know, most people cannot put the shack and the founder of the Bible on the same shelf. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> they, they can't. They go, like, oh, here it's heresy and awesome, or awesome and heresy. And I, I don't, I, you know, I just go like, whatever. It's the same God, and it fits all in one person's body. That that I don't find a contradiction. And I think well, that's that's. The but you have this confidence in the Bible, and this it, it was something you said earlier. You said just a few minutes ago. You said God could when you were talking about sharing your faith with these kids or people. You said God could be known and enjoyed. And yep. I, I underlined in enjoyed because yeah. there's so many people that are missing that piece. Mm-hmm. God can be known, but enjoyed. So yeah, see the, the, the Bible it goes to the chief, with that? chief purpose of man. And this was debated way back in history, as far as how you define that there's two schools of thought, you know um, the one I side with is the, the chief end of man is to love God and enjoy him forever. I thought that was one of the coolest things ever said, ever concluded. Other people is the chief end of man is to worship God and to give him glory. And that's like, welcome to the reformed theology. I'm going like, it's not wrong. It's just, I don't think it's true because I don't think you guys do that. I think you do that with your mind, not with the relationship of heart. And it's not like I'm trying to feel things in our feely culture. I'm just going like, but there's not a single relationship that I have that doesn't require the all of me, my mind, my will, and my emotions. And, and so I've got a great mind, I, you know, unashamed genius IQ, but that doesn't make you spiritual. That actually is an impediment sometimes if you, if you trust in it. So, and I'm like, a great mind. It's a good servant. It's a sucky master. Um, I've had a lot of pain. Well, if you're afraid of it, you become emotionally stunted. 
I've worked through it. So I feel like it makes me a deeper person. And then I have a will that is the strength of an ox. If I put my mind to something, good luck, you know, I'm dog in a bone style. And I go like, those are all helpful things if they're servants. Mm -hmm. They're terrible masters. Yes. If anyone that tries to, to drive you. So most of us don't know the difference between soul and spirit. The word of God is what divides between those, which is why it's so powerful. Because I, I, the Bible is meant to be a stepping stone to fellowship. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, who were the best Bible scholars of their day. I mean, they knew, drive a nail through the scroll, they'll be able to tell you all the letters. And it's like, whether that's true or not, it's, it, it gives you the idea. That's how well they knew it. And he said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you will have life. And yet you refuse to come to me who they testify of. I am that life. And so I ended up like, OK, note to self, the Bible is helpful if it brings me to him in a relationship. It's not if you and, think it's an end in, in itself. And you've experienced the Bible that way where. You That's probably experienced it both ways, right? <laughs> no, oh, I, oh, the dead letter killeth. And I, I know the dead letter well. I, I, I had a ferrisectomy a while back. You know, ha, ha, ha. Um, it, 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 I, I could be a tyrant, a religious tyrant. And, and um, I come home and, and I'm a good little boy. And I never got a spanking because my brother got dozens of them. Um, I, 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 I watched that and I kind of went, not an effective way to live life. Don't do that. Second, that's the privilege of the second board. You don't have to make the mistakes of the first board. Yeah. Um, I come home and he's You're not going to be a Pepsi the, dealer. No. He's, he's hot boxed the entire house. You got 12 guys. They're all token up like you wouldn't believe. And you come in and there's a cloud. And, and they hated me because I was an ultra Pharisee that looked down at my nose and saw nothing but worthless trash. And then I finally realized, wow, if Jesus walked into this room, they would feel something different. And so what I was doing was not a Jesus thing. You know, he hung out with the wrong crowd. He made friends with all the reprobates of the day and they loved him. They felt comfortable around him. People felt I was a total Pharisee and I didn't understand how to shift that until I had some wonderful friends that kind of said, hey, you know, it's not about the rules. It is about the relationship. And I'm going, like, yeah, but he left me. Mm. And so when you don't when you don't have a, a, a dialogue with them, I don't know how you do the relationship thing. Yes. So so for me, it's become an occupational necessity going like I can't do this Christian thing on my own. I if I do, I become a nasty Pharisee. And I, that doesn't give the fragrance of Christ to people that need him. And I'm going like, well, then that's not helpful because that's not what I want to do. And it's not who I want to be. And I don't see their value. And so I've had to have a lot of remedial learning to go like, Jesus, how do you see people? Because I'd like to see them the way you do. You know, he told me to love my enemies. And I kind of went, gee, that's a nice idea. I, I, I would if I could. But I checked the tank. It's empty. I hate them. And I'm pretty sure loving them with my with my teeth gritting is not actually going to be translating well. And so I'm going like, how, how do I do that? Yeah. And it's like, if I can't see them the way you see them, then I can't love them the way you love them. So I need input of revelatory information. I need to see the world like you see it. And in order for that to happen, I need I need to know you. Yes. 
And so you can't just get that just from reading. No, you can't. That doesn't work. No. And, and, and that requires experiences that I'm going like, I can't just make them happen. Like, Oh God, manifest. No. I can't do that. You can't push a button and make God. No, do something, but, but, but I've had, I've had older brothers and wiser men that knew him help me learn to recognize his presence. And I've become a great student at going like, okay, how'd you do that? And, and right. where did you get that? And, and why is that true? And please show me so I know, because yes. I'm not going to be just a follower of you. I'm, I want to be a follower of him. So how are you doing that? Yeah. And, and that's, uh, that's hey. I'm just going like, you know, I'm, I'm a speed limit. I'm 55 years old and, and, and I've learned something. Okay. And so you just go like, you're oh, a speed limit. That's speed funny. Limit. Come on. That's your, that's the alternative. Uh, that's the alternative title. You know, so, but, but I just, I don't want to do the pretend thing. I suck at it. I, I can't do the politician thing. I can't do the politically correct thing. I, I there's just, it's and like, you want to know where the votes are. Show me. I, it's, it's fitting. Exactly. Everything is fitting together now because you're, you're like, okay, I need to, th- uh, what did you say? Examine, Evidence, please. examine, hold yeah. fast to which is true. Yeah. Well, yeah. show me, you know, yeah. show me, Hello. you know, let's stop, stop taking videos down off of uh, YouTube. Exactly. Stop those stupid tags on Facebook. Give me a break. Yeah. Just cause I mentioned, uh, I mean, they were putting, I, I made this uh, Facebook, uh, I, I made this silly update I, where I made up a story about George Washington. I said, I'm, most people don't know this, but George Washington uh, refused the vaccine. And that's why he, he uh, didn't get a third term and he died shortly thereafter. And it's embarrassing to the founding. And that, that was my status update, right? So I said, refuse the vaccine. <laughs> this is the 1790s, okay? And Facebook put a COVID-19 tag <laughs> on this. Well, it was probably the first fact check that they got right. I'm just like, <laughs> can I please do, do something that I don't have you want? looking over my shoulder going, did you, what, what word did you say? What word did you say? <laughs> You know, you know, and guess what? Give me a break. They they wrote those founding documents amidst a smallpox plague, and it didn't transcend their rights. They didn't go into you lose your rights because of a medical exemption, and there's also medical crisis. And so you just go like, wait a minute, history actually does matter. It's not like they didn't realize that they were in a pandemic back then. They were. And, 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 and why do I say that? Well, because um, Britain used the sickness as a weapon. They brought over blankets. They, they, they yeah, held guys in, in a hold. And it's kind of like, how do we infect them all? The fact that we actually yeah. lived to tell and, and finish the revolution was sort of like, oh, pandemic failed. You mean a government would try to win in a... In a in an adversarial relationship with another gov- another people and government. Just saying. Hold on, Just, man. Hold on. You're blowing my, you're blowing my mind. Hold on. 
Governments are the problem on the planet today. Mm. They're not the blessing that they should be. Well, they are and, governments and, run wild. And people under the guise of democracy who think that a simple majority is the same thing as right. No. That, that mentality is what sustained slavery. Yes. <laughs> because, yes. oh, let's take a hand. Okay, 51%. Um, is, the black people exactly are like, what about me? What about me? Uh, no, you don't count. That's why they hated democracy, because it always revolve, devolves into mobocracy where might makes right. And they're going like, no, we're going to protect the rights of the Amen. disempowered. We're going to protect the rights of the weak. We're going to we're going to care about the thoughts of the minority. Be, yeah. And yeah. We're, we're going to make sure that there's there are protections in society that they don't just get trampled. A and republic. that's why we're not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. We're not just a, a, a government of men chosen to rule over, which is why we're a constitutional republic that says the rule of law is higher than the elected official. Yeah. A republic. Just not a pure democracy. You can keep it. That, that's what that's Benjamin right. Franklin said. Yeah, and we right. don't seem to be very good republic keepers. <laughs> We we have we have failed we have failed the process. Well, I've seen the classrooms from the inside, and it's not that shocking to me because there's no discipline. There's just it's not the way it used to be. You know, even at Pepperdine when you were there, Brad. I mean, I've got the the stories I have from there. Just I mean, I have I remember having this had been 2017. Um, I had students that were pretending to be upset at Chick-fil-A. Mm. Okay, this is how it went down. In how Venice you Beach, you know, you know Venice Beach, right? There's a, there's, yep. a, there's, a, there's a restaurant there called Mao's Kitchen. It's right on the, it's right on, I forget the, the, the it's the main intersection and it's got the Venice Beach, you know, hanging down. Yeah. yeah. It's on the ocean. That's not ocean. I f maybe it is ocean. But anyway, it's it's you can look it up down there. So I would drive through there on the way to Pepperdine all the time. And I would look and I, I would be just horrified. Mao's kitchen. My undergrad is in Chinese. And, the, you know, I had professors that were imprisoned by Mao and, and horrible, horrible, horrible stuff. Anyway, so I brought we were talking to my students and I said to my students, I said, we we're talking about the definition of marriage. I was teaching Genesis there, Western heritage, Western culture, and um, the definition of marriage came up, and and um, you had some squirming, you know, people squirming, and I was like, oh, what did the rules change? What's going on here with the definition of marriage? All of a sudden, you know, you are you saying it changes? What's going on? And they were like, well, you know, and. It changes. And I, so I brought it, I said, Lord, what do I do here to, to reach these kids? I don't know how to reach these kids. We, we talked about the definition of marriage and I said, how, how about this? Let me, let me just get, just see what's going on here. Who is a worse model for a restaurant? Let's say Mao's kitchen honoring Mao Zedong who, and I Googled it for everybody to see. It was like, 45 million to 70 million. No one knows exactly how many people he he killed. Or, oh, Chick, or Dan Kathy. 
or Dan Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A or who, whatever his name is, the, the founder of Chick-fil-A. And they said, Chick-fil-A is worse. Chick- yeah. Chick-fil-A is worse. This is at Pepperdine in 2017. And I, I said, why? You know, help me understand this. I saw those and chickens they, he's killed. He, they said, because he discriminated. So, okay. Not it was all about the definition Not of murder. Just discriminated. So I was yeah. like, Lord, how do I handle this? And I feel like the Lord guided me to the used bookstore. I feel like he told me, go to the used bookstore, get used dictionaries. So I went there and I spent about a hundred bucks and I got like 10 used dictionaries. Uh, two of them are so huge. I had real trouble getting them even in the classroom, like from my car. Yeah. Cause you know, Pepperdine yeah. is like the mountains and you have to be a Billy, go- Billy yes. goat or an Eagle yeah. to get around. And so I, I you know, brought all these dictionaries walking and I, and one was the Oxford English dictionary that came in two volumes. And it was so small that they had um, uh, Sherlock Holmes. What do you call those things? Not a microscope. Eyeglass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Magnifying Magnifying. that came with the dictionary. (laughs) And, um, and I, I laid it all the dictionaries out and all of them said, uh, and some of them were from that just a year before. And they said, marriage is a, a relationship between a man and woman by which they become husband and wife or something like that. And then there was a secondary definition of any close union. So they came, they rushed up and looked at these dictionaries like puppies at feeding time. And they couldn't believe, they could not believe our language, you know? Ah. And I, and I said, yeah, it's the English language. And um, I said, so why is Kathy worse than Mao Zedong because he believed the dictionary or spoke English? I don't get that. And it was like a beginning of a conversation where they had never even be, been prompted to think past oh, wow. even that point. Wow. And um, I forget where, why we were talking about this in the beginning, but I think it was, oh yeah, I was talking about the, the campuses are so different that the students are not insatiably curious, at least many of them are. There's, there's always some, there's always some, but but the, the slogans and just grade inflation, I think the grade inflation, I think a lot of those students just expected A's and right. they weren't studying. Right. I, I was teaching con law one time at Cal State and the first quiz I gave them, I even told them what the quiz question was going to be. I said, the quiz question is going to be the wording of the Second Amendment or the first amendment or something. I think it was the first and second amendment, first two quizzes. So I told them what the quiz was, just the wording. I had so many students look at me like so uncomfortable, like, and, and they came up to me after and they said, do you, do you mean the exact wording? <laughs> and I said, no, I mean how you would write it if you were going to write it. No, yes, of course, the exact wording because <laughs> that's what's in there. And they didn't even want to read uh-uh. The actual text. Well, so it, anyway, it, this, it, is what, this is what I'm dealing with. Common core. There's not a right answer. There's just a process. Yeah. Right. Right. And when that's the democracy, when that's the majority, but see, well, you're going to have tyrant tyranny. You're going to have 
masks until you die, you know, because here's, here's the dirty secret about Common Core. It is a psyop that mm-hmm. allows you, once you remove the fact that there is a right answer and you just go, you're sowing confusion into wet cement and it makes those people very easily manipulated. Did you have to, did your kids have to learn that or? No. Oh, that's good. We, we yeah, that's why they still have their minds and have jobs and they do. There's God. Yeah. It, it's like, no, but all of that was by design. That, that, that is by design. That is what's happening all around us. And you just go like, if you know anything about um, psychological, you know, information warfare kind of stuff, that's what is being perpetrated. And that doesn't make me some, ooh, in the dark, scary corner conspiracy theorist. It's like, no, no, no. There actually is a right answer to two plus two is four. If you don't get that straight, you can't do math. You can't balance your checkbook. You cannot do a whole bunch of other things downstream from things that are clear absolutes. And so when you erase those elements, you really do sow confusion into the thought process where that brain doesn't work well. And then then, then you want to grade it on though there is a right answer. Now you put them in panic because their whole upbringing has kind of said, no, no, no. I'm just supposed to show you my work. And you're supposed to just value my work. And it's like, well, what if you're doing it? The I, wrong? I tried. You don't understand. I tried so hard. Right. <laughs> I know. I know. But it's like, guess what? Um, that's called take another lap around the mountain. You didn't do it right. Yeah. And it's kind of like. So you're you saying want, when, when you, you want saying a guy that- who tries so hard to be your surgeon or to fly your plane. I don't. I don't, I, I don't care what his intentions are. I need skill at those. Yeah. I need proficiency according to at least you get to stay alive standards. And, you know, we're, we're utterly, this is by design. I mean, if you know anything about a color revolution, you know anything about history, it's like everything that's going on. The design thing. Under see, the that, sun. see, the design thing could be, it could be spiritual, which I think is where you're ultimately talking about and i yeah of course how could it not be because look at north korea for example that place is just total darkness yeah for decades and you have places on earth that there are physical places that that are in total bondage utter depravity and darkness yeah and it's it's actually the it's not the norm to have human flourishing, I would say. No. I mean, in, in many places. So right. that's the move of God, I think. I mean, look at, we had it in our country. We had slavery for so many decades and such horrible conditions for so many people. Yeah. And, and then and then people try to reverse justify it when it's like, yeah. no, no, that, that wasn't why it happened. That wasn't where it's from. And it wasn't unique to a color. There were just as many people that um, have been enslaved of different, our color, our pigment skin. We just were sent to different places. And, and if you don't know history, you That's don't right. know that. That's and right. it's like, but, but I do know history. And yeah. so I'm going like, no, this is the fallen nature of man. Yes. And it has all kinds of things that will demonstrate it. Slavery is just one. Yes. And there's more slavery today, more sex trafficking, the more... There's more destruction of human beings and the decimating of them today than there was back then. So are we evolving or are we devolving? You know, Mm -hmm. I can I can make cases for each side. We're getting better at hiding it. 
Yeah. Brad, how are you? Brad, how are you doing on time? I just wanted to. I, 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 my, my plane calleth. So I am going to need to uh, put a pause here and say until we speak again. Let's. Yeah. Let. I guess we should have talked about that at the very beginning, so we make sure. But that's all right. But uh, Brad, okay. Well, we'll let you get on your plane, and uh, we really appreciate you coming on and spending and hanging out with us. Oh, this is great. I I love I love these things. You Gollum processor. So I learned a lot. You Gollum killer. And you, what was the second one? The speed limit. Speed <laughs> limit guy. I, I didn't write it. Yeah, baby. All right. 